podcast patreon episode 25 previews in a half shell i'm your host ryan and welcome back everyone uh yeah this is a little bit different of an episode in the sense that this is actually going to be uh, available for everyone um right now uh as all of you know because uh, if you don't know I, you absolutely must be living under a rock uh, we're dealing with a pandemic, uh, the COVID-19 coronavirus. Um, so I'm not going to dwell too much on that because I want this to be something positive. I want this to be something to kind of take your mind off of all that. Um, but obviously I also don't want to ignore what's going on and act like nothing is happening. So, uh, so basically, you know, there's, there's a lot of people doing stuff, uh, to make, uh, to entertain people at home, basically get, get their mind off things. And I thought about, well, what can I do? Cause I can't do a lot. Uh, um, by, uh, no means do I have millions of followers or anything like that, where it's like, Oh, you know, everyone's going to tune in for, for the show and stuff like that. But I was like, you know what? One thing I can do is 
at least for right now, make the Patreon episodes, the podcast episodes uh, available for everyone to give you some more material to listen to uh, than just the regular Star Joe's episodes. And so this is kind of what these episodes are. For those of you that have never heard them before, I am in my kitchen right now. Uh, These are also unedited podcasts, so it's just me freely talking about stuff, uh, errors and all. So if I stumble over words or something like that, I'm not going to edit those out. Uh, I just let my dog outside because uh, she was knocking on the door. I'll probably have to let her back in when she wants back in. Uh, I just keep going. And uh, also because of that, I go on some crazy tangents. Um, you kind of get a little bit more insight in these episodes as to who I am as a person because uh, I just kind of give you my thoughts. Uh, it's not too far off from what you hear on the regular Star Joe's episodes. Uh, it's just, you know, I'm st- still the same guy. It's just a little bit more free of speech. These episodes, I typically do them when I have free time. And a lot of times that's at night when my wife goes to bed. It's about 10.33 at night right now on a Monday. Uh, it's my mom's birthday today. And so to celebrate that, we did a little FaceTime uh, interaction with her, uh, which I'm grateful that, you know, I live in the day of technology where even though she's states away and we're all under quarantine right now, uh, that I can still see her and my dad and, uh, wish her a happy birthday. And, you know, of course we'll do something later on, uh, once all this is, is over. Um, and, and that's the big thing right now is that people, there's a lot of uncertainty right now. And, and I get that it's, uh, no one knows what's really going on. We don't fully understand this thing. We're getting information as it happens. Um, it's affecting the whole world, uh, as we know. And every state is kind of taking their own measures. Uh, fortunately, with me living in Ohio, uh, it's uh, my governor has been doing a great job, as far as I'm concerned, to try to maintain all of this. I have been fortunate enough and my wife has been fortunate enough that we both can continue working and we could both work from home right now. So, uh, I'm grateful for that. Cause I know there's a lot of people, probably a lot of you listening that, that can't work right now and you don't know where your next, uh, paycheck's going to f- come from, maybe where your next meal is going to come from, uh, things like that. So, you know, my heart goes out to you guys. Unfortunately, there's not much more I can do than that, but, um, you know, just be there for each other. Um, it's very easy in this time to focus on, uh, explanations that are crazy. Uh, you know, I've heard everything from this being politically driven, uh, situation, you know, even the virus itself being something that was politically put together to get, uh, Trump out of the white house or to keep him in the white house and like just everything, every extreme situation. And that's, it's human nature. Like when you're in a time of uncertainty, you want some explanation. You want to know, you want that stability to come back. So you just want an answer, you, no matter how crazy it can be. Um, I even made comments tonight saying, and unfortunately scared my wife by doing so by saying like, uh, you know, I, wonder if the media isn't telling us everything, uh, and the government isn't telling us everything because they just don't want to avoid there being a panic. Um, is that true? I don't know. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. Um, 
but it was, you know, just something that popped in my head. And unfortunately I said it out loud and it, it kind of freaked out my wife. And I understand that. And that, and the last thing I want to do is freak her out or freak anyone out. So, um, here's what we know. We, we know it's a virus. We know that, uh, it spreads quickly. We know that we need to do the social distancing, um, to kind of prevent the spreading of it, uh, as quickly as it could be, uh, that it will run its course and that it's, we're going to go through some tough times, uh, but we're also going to go through some good times. I mean, there's, there's light and dark to everything. So you can, you know, you can choose, it's very easy to choose the dark side and, and not to get all Star Wars on stuff, although this is a Star Wars based podcast, so why not? Um, but you can choose the dark side and it's very easy to do that. They show that in the movies. You can decide that you're going to get overwhelmed by this and you can decide that you're going to let it get the better of you. And, and I know it's easier said than done to avoid that, but, um, you can focus on all the negatives, like how many cases are happening, how many people are dying, uh, how you, maybe you're out of work or maybe you, uh, have social anxiety of like being stuck at home. Like it's, it, you know, drives you crazy and stuff. Uh, and like literally drives you crazy, not just, you know, the figurative version of that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm an extroverted person. So like not having the people interaction at times can be tough, but, um, but I can, I could dwell on all that stuff and I can let my anxiety get the better of me where I can focus on the positive things that I have in my life. And that's really the route that I'm choosing to go as best as I can. I'm not, I'm going to have my days. I talk to my wife. I'm going to have my days where in my moments where I'm just, I, I, I'm letting things get the better of me. And, um, it, it's tough to, to not let that happen. Um, I was for, like I just, my wife many times I'm, I was forged in my family to live with chaos and live with uncertainty and things like that because uh, while I lived in a, I grew up in a very stable environment I had both my parents you know first marriages you know had a very good life um, family life was also a little crazy in the sense that you know a lot of people turned to my parents for things throughout our lives and so people would just show up at the house that needed help and um uh, advice. It was usually family members or friends and things like that. But, um, my parents, you know, because of that, it, it caused a lot of, um, just craziness to happen. Like my parents, you know, turned to each other and they relied on each other and everything else. And they kind of, because of their actions, they kind of instilled that in myself and my sister, where it's like, if someone needs help, we want to help them. If some, if we can do something to make things better, we're going to try to do that too. So, that's kind of where I am right now. It's just, you know, I'd rather focus on the positive and think about the blessings I have. Like I, like I said, both my wife and I are working from home right now. We're very blessed to have jobs that let us do that. We're blessed to have jobs right now at all. Uh, we're blessed to have a home, uh, that we could, that we can be in, uh, that we, you know, we were able to stock up on some food and everything else. Nothing crazy. We didn't go out and buy all the toilet paper or anything like that. And, you know, 50 days of food supply. Like I didn't, I, we got enough to last us a while. And then if I have to go out again, I will. Um, my wife is on, is, has a compromised immune system because of some of her medical past. So we have to be very careful. 
Um, but I also can focus on the positive that she is still around and she, uh, just has to take medication and we're both healthy right now. And, you know, we, we got our 10 month old puppy that's keeping us energetic and stuff. And like it talked about technology wise, like I can do this podcast and get a voice out there for people to kind of be distracted, uh, for a little bit, hopefully entertain you for a little bit. Um, so you might not have the same blessings that I have in my life. Um, and you don't have to call them blessings. So you don't have to be religious about it necessarily. Um, although I wouldn't say blessing is necessarily a religious, doesn't have to be a religious word, but, um, just, you can look for the good in your, in your life. I'm, I guarantee you, no matter how bad things are, you can also find good things if you want to focus on those things. And like I said, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm someone that because of how I was raised and because of how things were in my life, I'm, I'm used to trying to be, to try to be the rock for other people. So I, I'm used to being the one that people can count on when things, when the shit hits the fan, basically when things go haywire that I'm the one that, uh, people turn to. And I take pride in that. I'm actually happy to be that person. Like, I don't want things to go bad. I don't want things to go chaotic. Um, but when things do, I, yeah, I take pride in the fact that I'm someone that people could turn to, you know, you don't have to turn to me, but it, but if you want to, you can. Um, and I'm happy to be there for people and not in the sense of like, Oh, look at me. You know, you can turn to me, that type of thing. Um, it's because when I see relief on somebody else's face because of, I was able to maybe give some words of encouragement or just kind of be there for them or something like that, or just take their mind off of something that, that relief that they feel that I can see, like that means everything to me. Um, so, you know, like I said, hopefully these episodes, uh, will kind of be that relief for you. Just at least if nothing else, get your mind off of things for a little bit. And, uh, but that's why I'm doing the, the Patreon episodes. Uh, after this is all over, I'll go back to having that these episodes be, uh, paid episodes. Um, at, at it's $3 a month to access any of these episodes. So, um, it's not a lot, but at the same time, money is a situation right now for a lot of people. And I don't want to, I, I want to make these available for everyone to enjoy and get their mind off of things. These are just extra episodes that I do, uh, on my own. So I hope you enjoy them. Uh, I hope you, I hope it's a nice distraction for you and hopefully things go back to normal soon. Uh, for Patreon members, uh, if you didn't see my posts about what I'm going to be doing with these, uh, you'll get early access to these episodes. So probably like two or three days ahead of everybody else. Uh, and then they'll go up on all the normal platforms. Um, and then, um, there'll be some video episodes that I'm going to be doing. I have one already recorded where I did a recording in, in my basement and everything else of the stuff I need to organize and everything else. That's going to be, uh, Patreon exclusive. So, uh, that the video stuff like that will still be only available for them, uh, for, for those that are Patreon members, but these podcast episodes will, after the early access will be available to everybody to listen to again, just to have some, some extra distraction besides the regular episodes that we do. Um, these episodes are tip are really so far just me. Uh, we've talked about possibly doing some 
some of these episodes with Robert or Chuck and myself and John and myself, stuff like that. But just haven't done that yet. Cause again, these episodes I typically do when I find myself with time to do them. So, uh, I do apologize that it's taken so long to get episodes out to everybody. Um, honestly, I have no excuse for it other than I think I just, my mind just kind of was shutting down, not with everything going on. Cause it was well before, uh, this whole stuff happened. Um, just wasn't having the motivation to be perfectly honest with you. And it's not because I didn't enjoy doing it. I did. I just, um, I I think I just needed that mental break, but, uh, I feel good now things, you know, I'm excited about doing more episodes. Uh, we're already talking about what we're going to be doing in upcoming episodes and everything else. Uh, if you want to be on the regular star Joe's episodes, you can still email at, uh, star Joe's podcast at gmail.com. Let me know, uh, what, types of episodes you you're interested in what properties you're interested in just a general idea so this way if we're going to cover something that you feel would be you'd be a good guest to be with us on um you know then then i can go oh we're going to do this episode i know exactly what listener we can try to arrange some time with so um so send an email and we'll have you on one of the episodes in the future uh some sometime this this year it will happen so uh, looking forward to that. I've already had a couple people reach out, and we're going to make arrangements with them to have them on for various episodes. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a crazy time right now. Uh, I have four catalogs of previews, and I have to let the dog in, so take me one second here. Um, but I have four catalogs here. And I'm not going through all of them in this episode. Uh, Obviously, I've let the the previous catalogs pile up here. But uh, I'm going to go through two of them in this episode, which is going to be a good hefty episode for you guys. Uh, You'll find out these Patreon episodes can be a bit long because I can go on a lot of tangents and talk about a lot of comic stuff. I found out today that um, Diamond Comics Distributor is postponing deliveries of any comics due to to shops and everything else due to the uh coronavirus they're gonna i think they're gonna release out what they have to stores but as far as new things from publishers they're not going to accept anything new right now i totally understand that a lot of comic shops are having to, to close right now temporarily anyways uh with all this going on so um so yeah we'll we'll you know i don't know where previews will be uh, past these catalogs and stuff, but uh, it'll be interesting. I have other things that I'll be doing for Patreon episodes. Uh, I need to cover the Flash comic. Uh, we'll get back to doing Green Lantern. We'll get back to doing some Legion of Superheroes, things like that. Um, but yeah, it, it, I got plenty of material to, to cover with you guys. So, but first, I'm uh, going to go through some previous catalogs here, talk about some comics. Uh, the, the catalogs I'm going through first is the December catalog uh, for things coming out in February, and then the January catalog for things coming out in March. So everything in this episode is stuff that has already come out or mostly have, have all come out because we're near the end of March at this point. So uh, a lot of this stuff I can either talk about if I've read it already uh, or if I'm looking forward to reading it or just, uh, just whatever popped in my head at the time. 
I went through these catalogs a long time ago and marked them all, so I have no idea, recollection as to what we're going to be, what I marked. Uh, so it'll be interesting to kind of see what I was looking at and wanting to talk about. Uh, but that's how this goes, too, is I, I usually go through the previous catalog before recording the episode. It's pretty, pretty much the only prep thing that I do with these episodes and mark comics that I want to talk about, whether it's, hey, this looked really interesting to me. Uh, I'm really excited about it. Hey, this is something that I'm currently reading right now and it's good or bad, or this looks like something you want to avoid. So, um, I try to cover the whole, uh, gamut there when it comes, uh, gambit there when it comes to that. So, um, but yeah, uh, if you've ever listened to comic geek speak, it's kind of what they do where they go through the catalog and just talk about what, what catches their eye. So that's what I do too. Just, it's my perspective on stuff like that. So hopefully you enjoy it and, uh, yeah, let's just go for a fun ride and get our minds off of everything that's going on. You're going to hear my dog too in the background, her, she's running around, her collar's going, all that stuff. So, but like I said, these episodes are unedited. You might hear the fridge come on because, again, I'm down in my kitchen. Uh, that happens sometimes, like the, the fan or something like that in it, whatever the hell it is. <laughs> uh, it, uh, so, yeah, uh, like I said, hope, hopefully you guys enjoy this. We'll see what weird tangents go on. Um, I don't know if I'll get through everything in this one recording. Uh, like, these two catalogs will be in this episode together. But I might stop at some point during this recording, maybe when I go through the first catalog and then pick it up another night and do the second catalog. But it'll all be in one episode. But, yeah, we'll kind of see where things are going. I got home, uh, got home, got off of work because I was already home, uh, got off of work and uh, was just kind of drained. And I don't know why, just, I don't know if I just didn't get much sleep the night before or what, but I... Uh, Ended up falling asleep taking a nap, which I'm a big fan of naps. Uh, and uh, so I'm pretty awake right now, but we'll kind of see how it goes um, as we as we go along. So, all right. So first I'm going to tackle uh, DC. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to do DC, the DC catalog of previews, the Marvel catalog of previews, and then the main previews catalog, um, and then go backwards in the one for January. So I'll do previews, then Marvel, then end on DC. Um, for those that don't know previews catalogs, uh, with comics, I realize not everyone, everyone that listens doesn't necessarily read comics or collect comics or anything like that. Um, every month there is a previews catalog that comes out and it tells you all the comics are going to come out a couple months from the point of the catalog coming out. So, uh, you know, they'll be out in a couple months or some stuff might be coming out even later than, than within a couple months. Uh, but this is when they're solicited. So stores can actually pre-order stuff and uh, for their their uh, shops. If you go through a, a online store like DCB Service or something like that, you're basically ordering like a comic book shop would do. You're, you're placing an order for stuff a couple months in advance. Uh, so previous catalogs can be very, very important for that type of, for that reason because it lets you know what's coming out. Uh, and so you can tell your comic shop, Hey, I would like to get this because it might be something that they weren't going to order for you, uh, or order in general. But then when, if you tell them, Hey, I want this, then they can order it for you. So that's why the catalog is really helpful. Uh, can also get you excited about what's coming out. 
Um, that's what it does for me is it lets, it's kind of like, uh, we've done episodes of the Sears catalog and stuff like that around Christmas time and looking at the toys and remembering when we were kids, looking at what was coming out as far as toys. That's what these previews catalogs are for me, uh, is they let me know stuff that's coming out comic wise and even some toy wise, uh, that you'll hear me cover where it's just like, Oh, that's really cool. That I, that has me excited. That's coming out. Uh, or, Oh my God, that looks horrible. So that's what, that's what these catalogs are for me. It's kind of a bit of nostalgia, just like our show is. So it, it kind of takes me back to those days of the Sears catalogs, wish book catalogs and stuff and going, uh, like, Oh yeah, look what's coming out. This is really cool. So, uh, and it happens every month. So it's, it's a really fun thing. So, so that's what, uh, and just to let you know how it's set up for previews catalogs is there is a main previews catalog. So that, that has all the different publishers out there except Marvel and DC. DC used to be in the main previews catalog, but they, maybe six months ago or so, uh, they started doing what Marvel did, which is they have their own separate little catalog that comes with the previews catalog. So if you get the previews catalog, the main previews catalog, which has all the other comic publishers, uh, then you also uh, get the Marvel previews catalog and the DC previews catalog with it. So, uh, so there's three catalogs each month to go through. Um, so you have Marvel and DC, and then like I said, you have all the other publishers like IDW and image and things like that. So that's when you hear me mention certain, uh, names like that, those are the publishers. So I'll do my best for those that might not be familiar with, uh, comics and previews and things like that to kind of give you some insight into who I'm talking about things and such. So, um, all right. So we're going to start with DC. Uh, again, this is titles that were solicited in December that came out in February. So, um, and I, I'll warn you too, obviously there's going to be some spoiler things that I might talk about because, uh, things that these things have already come out. Maybe I've read them or knew about stuff that happened. Um, so just wanted to give you a heads up. If you're reading comics and you're behind on things and you don't want to know what happens, uh, you might want to skip this episode. Uh, obviously, I hope you don't, but you can always circle back and come back to it later. So uh, so we're going to start off with The Flash, number 750. Uh, this goes back to the original numbering of The Flash. So it's taking everything that was a Flash com- the main Flash comic and evidently led up to number 50 or 750, I should say. Um, so I actually read this issue. It's a great issue. If you're a fan of the flash, I highly recommend it. You get stuff with, uh, golden age flash. You get stuff with, uh, Barry Allen. You get stuff with, uh, Wally West. Uh, if I remember right, there's even like just little nods and things like that to impulse and, uh, thing and which was, uh, Bart Allen, but uh, it, it starts uh, the Flash Age storyline, and it's a really good story. And all there's a bunch of little um, anthology-type stories, so little mini-stories also that I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, these anniversary issues, I've really been enjoying overall. Uh, they've done you know Batman and Action Comics and things like that. Uh, Wonder Woman had number 750 come out, I think, also. I did pick that up, but I didn't read that one yet. So, But I am caught up to date on Flash. I, I somewhat caught up today on Flash. I have uh, issue 751 to read, uh, but I did read issue 750. So I'm um, looking forward to reading issue 751. 
Uh, that's another thing you'll find out is that I am way, way behind on my comic reading. Uh, so you're going to hear me mention many times that I'm behind on certain titles. Uh, with everything that's going on right now, I'm actually getting caught up on a lot of titles. Uh, but I'm behind on many, many of them. So, um, But I am looking forward to getting caught up on things. I Flash, as many people know that have listened to this podcast, the Flash is my second favorite character in all of comics. Green Lantern's my number one. Flash is my number two. Um, Green Lantern is my number one for a lot of different reasons. I grew up watching Super Friends, and uh, Green Lantern was the character that caught my eye because he could make anything with his ring. Uh, his imagination was the only thing holding him back, and I had a big imagination as a kid, still do have a big imagination. And uh, and then as I learned more about him, it was, you know, I, it was that he could overcome fear, um, you know, there, willpower was his strength, things like that. So it made it such a cool character. And I love the idea that anyone could become a Green Lantern. Uh, Flash, I was in throughout most of my schooling. I was one of the fastest kids. I uh, loved running, loved taking pride in the fact of, of being someone that could run for long distances, but also could do sprints really well and things like that. So uh loved the idea of the flash because of that and then uh you throw in things like he can think of multiple different like they've added these types of things as uh his abilities too is that he can think of different scenarios and figure out which one's the best one best route to take and while i can't figure out which is the best route to take i am a scenario person i do think of many different ways something can go uh and then i try to pick the right decision or what i think might be the right decision uh based on those things and uh it can happen pretty quick for me. I, so uh, I loved that being added to the Flash as, as a character. So um, I can be impulsive, of course, and jump a little too quick to decisions. So that's an aspect of the Flash as well. So it's just these are just characters identified with because of that. So, so yeah, uh, I was happy, very happy to get caught up on the Flash. It's a really cool title that's been uh, going on for a while now. Um, and then uh, we have Batman Pennyworth R.I.P. number one. So this is a one-shot. Uh, I am not caught up on Batman right now, Tom King's Batman, but I do know that Alfred gets killed in City of Bane storyline, uh, which I haven't even started yet, but I'm, it's on my pile of things to get caught up on. So they came out with this uh, title. kind of sucks that they uh, put it out there in solicitations because, again, these this came out a couple months before uh, the issue comes out. They could have just done like a Batman Pennyworth classified or something like that or just a Batman classified as the title. They've done that before where it's like they don't really tell you what's going on but they hint at things and this just flat out just basically says hey with City of Bane, Alfred dies this is a look back at the char- at his relationship with Bruce and everything. Um, so it kind of sucks that they spoiled that and for a lot of people. So um, but I am looking forward to reading the issue now. You know, it's sometimes it is the journey and not the destination, so I'm looking forward to reading the journey. Uh, then we have, from Wonder Comics, Amethyst, number one. So uh, I really like this character of Amethyst. I liked what they did a little while back with the character. They had they had done a, like a mini-series or ongoing series with her, um, and I read that and really enjoyed it. I know there was a series back in, I think, the 80s or something like that with Amethyst. I never got to read that. I would like to read it. It's a cool character. It's a cool world uh, that she lives in. Uh, I've been reading her in Young Justice. 
which is another title that I'm getting close to getting caught up on. I'm actually getting caught up on all these Wonder Comics. So there's a section of DC Comics called Wonder Comics, which are for... Uh, I guess tween readers, but I like them. Uh, they're they're good reads. They're fun reads. And Young Justice reminds me very much of uh, early Marv Wolfman, Teen Titans type stories. Uh, it reminds me of the original Young Justice series that came out. I think it was in the nineties, early two thousands. I think it was the nineties, um, late nineties, early two thousands, somewhere around there is when the original Young Justice series came out. And this new Young Justice series reminds me of that. It's written by Brian Michael Bendis. I think he does a really great job with. Um, Young Justice. I, he's kind of iffy for me with the Superman titles, but uh, I think he's doing a great job with Young Justice. And uh, Amethyst is a character that they had appear in that Young Justice title. Now she's got her own uh, series. Now they mark it here as with as a new series for her, but then I also saw it marked like a month or two later. It was marked as being a mini series. So I'm hoping. It's an ongoing. If it's good, I just I haven't read this issue yet. I'm actually getting caught up on all the Wonder comics. I've read a couple issues of Dial H for Hero, and I've read a few issues of the Wonder Twins. Uh, Wonder Twins. I will tell you, I've been pretty disappointed in it uh, because I was very excited because I loved the Wonder Twins from Super Friends for a long time. I have the action figures that DC Classics did uh, with Gleek, which was the San Diego Comic Con exclusive figure. Uh, absolutely loved the characters and always felt like they could do something really cool with them in the comics. They did have them appear at various times in, in the comics, but never gave them their own series. So this was like it. It feels very kiddish. The title is, and I, like I said, I realize that they, these Wonder comics are like for the tween level age, but Young Justice doesn't feel kiddish. Where Wonder Twins feels very kiddish. It's not that it's bad. It's just. I was expecting a lot more from it, and it's not really delivering. And I've, I've three or four issues in, and it's a twelve issue series. Dial H for Hero, however, I loved. Uh, there was an H for Hero, I think, at one point, and, there, and Dial H for Hero is a really old comic. Um, and I've read various ones of Dial H for Hero in the past, and have liked them overall, um, but wasn't really expecting much from from this one, even though it was written by Sam Humphreys, um, who I liked his stuff in the past, but I've been pleasantly surprised. I'm two issues into that one and that's a 12 issue miniseries, And I've really liked that story a lot. Uh, it still has the tween feel to it, but it's, it's not kiddish. Uh, so I, I'm looking forward to reading more of that. I want to read both of those because I feel like I, if I remember right, I believe both those stories uh, show up in Young Justice. Like the Dial H for Hero character, he shows up in Young Justice, I believe, and, and the Wonder Twins appear also. Um, and then there's Naomi, uh, who is a new character created by Brian Michael Bendis, and she had a six-issue miniseries, and that was really good. I really enjoyed that, and I know she appears in Young Justice at some point also. So I kind of wanted to get caught up on those. I did read all of Naomi. Like I said, really, really good. Um, and now I'm getting through Wonder Twins and Dial H for Hero, and then I'll and I'll get caught up on Young Justice and then Amethyst here, which is what started this whole conversation or topic. Um, I'm looking forward to really reading this. It's written uh, by Amy Reader, and the art and cover are also done by Amy Reader. And I really like Amy Reader's art. I think it's fantastic. Um, hers is an art style that oh my god, I would 
love to have someone like her on uh, the Stealth Hammer comic that I'm trying to do. So um, maybe one day, maybe that might happen one day. That would be really cool. But yeah, her, her art style is just really, really cool. Uh, I love the world building idea of Amethyst. So I'm looking forward to reading this very much. Um, then we have Green Lantern Season 2, number one. This is the Grant Morrison, Liam Sharp uh, Green Lantern storyline. I still have not read past issue three of season one. Like, they're doing this in seasons instead of it being like a, a mini, stating as a mini series or an ongoing or anything like that. Um, Grant Morrison's just being Grant Morrison. He's just being weird and taking my favorite character and putting him in this bizarre world. I really need to sit down and just kind of bulk read it, you know, chunk read it and, and get caught up. But I really didn't, wasn't really feeling the first three issues. So it's kind of hard for me to, as I've mentioned in past Patreon episodes, it's hard for me to jump back into a title when I read one or two issues that I didn't care for. So as soon as I read one or two issues where I'm like, uh, that, that wasn't really good it's really hard for me to pick up the next issue and read it. Um, it's happened for me with Tom King on his run on Batman, where the thing that gets me coming back to him is that when he hits an issue form that I read and I'm like, wow, that was awesome. Like he hits it hard. I'm just like, wow, that is an incredible issue. I loved reading this. And then, and I'll be like that for a couple issues, you know, two, three, four, five issues. And then also I'll read one issue and I'll be like, oh my God, that was so bad. I just didn't care for that at all. And again, personal preference. I'm not saying he's a bad writer at all when he writes some of these issues, but for me, they missed the mark for me personally. So I'm, I'll be like, oh, that one just, no, not good. So then I'll put Batman down for a while and I won't go back to it. So, um, but because some of his issues are just so good, it may, it brings me back. So that's the thing with Grant Morrison is that, he's hit or miss for me, but he's even more misses for me than Tom King is like Tom King has a lot of issues. I really enjoy with some misses. Grant Morrison has a lot of misses with some hits. When Grant Morrison hits for me, he hits big. Like I loved his JLA run. I loved Arkham Asylum. I thought those were fantastic, but Green Lantern, the first three issues, I was just like, Ugh, this is very Morrison-y. This is like, um, so see, season two, number one is out. We'll, we'll kind of, I'll, I'll get up to it. I'll, again, it's my favorite character. So I want to read it just to kind of see what happens. Uh, then we have a black label, uh, Harley Quinn and the birds of prey. Number one, I did pick up this issue, uh, because I have really been enjoying all of the black label titles, uh, for much like the wonder comics are for, uh, the tweens black label is for the adults. So they, uh, are the writers and creators don't have to hold back on the black labels so they can deal with more mature topics. They can deal with more mature language. Um, this is the first one that I've seen where the, uh, cause it's, uh, Amanda Connor, uh, and it's Jimmy Palmiani and Amanda Connor. Uh, writing it, and then it's Amanda Connor doing the art. It's the first one where it looks like a typical Harley Quinn comic, uh, which might be a little dangerous because if someone in the past is like, oh, this is Harley Quinn, my kid liked Harley Quinn, and this is by the same creators that did Harley Quinn before. Let me just give this one. Mm. It's 
this is a black label one. It's for ages 17 and up. Um, so I haven't read it yet. It looks like a typical Harley Quinn type comic, but I'm sure there's a lot of mature content in it. Um, I don't think that they're doing like anything like nudity wise or anything like that with any of the comics anymore that I know there was the whole issue with Batman damned where, you know, you saw Batman's little friend, uh, let's say, <laughs> but, uh, I believe that there was a big slap on the wrist when that happened. So you're not going to see any type of content like that in the black labels, but you are going to see, like I said, more mature language, more mature topics and things like that. So kind of interested in reading this one. Like I said, I have actually really enjoyed all the black labels because they don't really have to worry about the continuity. They just have to tell a good story. And I think that's why people have been enjoying the black label titles. I've heard from a lot of people how much they enjoy the black label titles because you don't have to worry about where does this fit into the story of Batman that everyone else is reading or where does it fit into the story of Superman. This is just, you can pick up these issues and read this story and it's, that's it. That's all you have to worry about. That's, and so that's the reason I'm interested in this one. Um, I love the fun of Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti. I've met them at conventions before. They are a lot of fun. Uh, they have a good time creating comics and everything else. Uh, while I'm not the biggest Harley Quinn fan in the world, I love the original Harley Quinn from Batman animated universe. Uh, I'm just not like, I, I'm not on the Harley Quinn bandwagon of like, Oh my gosh, she's one of the coolest characters ever. Like I like her. Um, but she, there's not a lot of stories where I'm like, Oh, this is, I have to read this one. Like the other black label one that I've mentioned in the past is Harleen. Uh, which was very, very good. I absolutely loved it. And to me, that's the best Harley Quinn story I've ever read. Uh, it, it was just perfect for me. Um, so I'm looking forward to this. This is the more lighthearted, cartoony style, but with the mature angle to it. So we'll, we'll see uh, how this is. Um, then we have Leviathan Dawn by Brian Michael Bendis. So this is... They did a Leviathan miniseries, which I've read halfway through so far. Um, this, for me, is where Brian Michael Bendis was just kind of iffy for me. Like, I like him as a writer. I, I'm a big fan of his as a writer. But this, the Leviathan story was just kind of a little bit light for me. Um, but I've heard it gets better. And uh, this is just a one-shot Leviathan Dawn. And it kind of ties into the bigger... DC universe and everything else. So I want to give it uh, a good shake because this, it, it could play a factor into a lot of the other stuff I'm reading. Uh, we have more 100 page giants. So if you don't know, Walmart has been doing hundred has been getting 100 page giants, uh, at the stores there. And they're great because they're stories that, uh, the, there's some new material in them. Uh, so you can pick it up and you can read a new story in there uh, with new art and everything by current day creators. Uh, but then there's also a bunch of reprints of past stuff also. And it's like five bucks for a hundred pages of material, which is great, especially if you've not read some of the past stuff also. Um, now you might be picking stuff up and it'll be, you know, the reprint will be, because because you picked up Batman number five of the Giants, you might be reading part five of a reprint. Um, 
but it doesn't make it any less enjoyable and you're certainly getting your money's worth like i said with it being 100 pages for that price that's amazing so with this we have uh, batman giant number three christ on infinite earth's giant number two which i was a little disappointed with the christ on infinite earth's one because i am a huge fan of christ on infinite earth's and i was looking forward to this one because it was going to have some new stories However, the new stories are based off of the Arrowverse, so the WB shows, which I watched those, love those shows. They're a lot of fun. Um, and I, I watched the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover that they did. I thought that was really well done. I, I really enjoyed it. But I was really kind of hoping that these Crisis 100-page giants were going to be more focused on the original Crisis on Infinite Earths from the 80s and maybe telling some stories that of things that happened during that time period. I understand why they didn't do that because they're trying to appeal to a, an audience today that maybe watched the show, uh, and watched the Christ infant earth crossover show that they did, uh, on the WV. So, Hey, here's some other stories from that. And the stories are good. They're, they're well-written. Uh, I think they're, I think they're actually done by Marv Wolfman who wrote the original Christ infant earth. So, they're fine. Uh, and, but then the other problem is that they're reprinting the original Christ on infinite earth, which you might be like, well, why is that a problem? Well, they only have done two issues of Christ on infinite earth and they've cherry picked out of, I think it's a 12 issue series, mini series event. Um, they cherry picked certain issues. So if you've never read Christ on infinite earth before, I would not recommend picking up one and two of this and saying, and being like my buddy Travis did this. He picked them up. He's like, I'm going to read crisis for the first time. And then all of a sudden I realized like, yeah, but you're not getting all of crisis. You're not reading the entire crisis story because they only picked two or three issues from this 12 issue run, uh, this 12 issue event. So you're, you almost could get lost in it. And crisis on the earth is a, hefty story in comics it's my favorite story in comics but it is hefty there's a lot of history behind what they did in in those pages um there's a lot of dc lore there's a lot of uh, i mean comic geek speak another podcast there's a couple guys there that they do episodes just on christ on infinite earth and they're they'll do two or three episodes sometimes four episodes on one issue because there's just so much density in there. So it's tough enough when you're reading the whole story. Um, if you've never read DC comics before or know a lot of the history of DC comics, let alone trying to read the story when it's like, here's issue one, two and three or one, two and five. And then, Oh, issue two of this hundred page giant is going to be issues eight, nine and 12. Like, it, you're not getting the full story and you could be even more lost. So while I appreciate it because I know what those issues are and I, I love being able to see them in this type of print again, um, I feel like it's kind of tough for someone that's never read that story before or doesn't have a, a big history of DC Comics. So um, I feel like they kind of missed the mark. It would have been really cool if they had done maybe four issues the 100 page giants of christ and earth and then did like three issues in each one of the original story because then at least you're getting the full story um but that's not what they did so um there's a flash giant number three swamp thing giant number three and a wonder woman giant number three um all which i would recommend um then we have superman villains number one uh, and this focuses on the fact that superman has now revealed his identity to the world um 
So he's no longer hiding who he is. This focuses on the villains and how it impacts all impacted all of them to find out who Superman really was. So uh, then we have in the Star Joe's universe, we have He-Man and the Master of the Universe number four. Uh, He-Man and the Master of the Universe, Masters of the Multiverse, I should say. Uh, so I've read the first two issues of this so far. I have issues three and four. And I might have issues five, issue five also. Um, but I've I've read this uh, first two issues so far, and what it is, it's it's really cool because it's especially if you're someone like me and likes alternate timelines and everything else, and it's something we've talked about many times on the show, where um, there's different canons for different things. So like GI Joe, like there you could follow the cartoon series canon, you could follow the comic book, a real American hero canon. You have the IDW co- continuity canon. You have the file card canon, which I, I believe is even different from any of those that I just mentioned. So there's all that type of stuff. This the Masters of the Universe has the same thing with He-Man. So, and this kind of like touches on all that. It touches on the cartoon. It touches on the um, further adventures of He-Man, the cartoon that they did later on. It touches on the action figures. It touches on the comic series. Um, the movie uh, version shows up in this. So. Um, it's a really, really fun story for that reason. So uh, if you like all different versions of He-Man, uh, that's definitely a, a mini-series worth picking up. So uh, let's see here. Then we have, jumping ahead, we have uh, The Lost Carnival, a Dick Grayson graphic novel. This caught my eye. Uh, this is one of those ones that they're they're doing a lot of right now for young adults. Um and I really liked the idea of it focusing on Dick Grayson, who is a, a favorite character of mine. This, for those of you who know, Dick Grayson is the fir- very first Robin, and then he became a character known as Nightwing. So um, he uh, he's just a really, really interesting character, very well-developed and everything else. And this is uh, a new story, kind of goes back to his origin and everything else. And I really like that. So... Uh, I read a couple of these young adult ones so far. Uh, the Shadow of the Batgirl was actually really well done. Uh, there's an Oracle one that I haven't read yet, but I'm looking forward to reading that. This is one that I think is really, uh, really cool idea. Also, the artwork looks really good. Um, you'd be amazed what you can find in young adult type stuff. They, I remember Star Wars novels. They, I got a lot of the regular Star Wars novels, but then I did pick up some of the young adult novels that came out also and those were while they're not while the language in them and everything else is is definitely geared towards a younger audience the stories a lot of times are no less good and i don't know like no less well done is i guess how i should say it (laughs) wow that was really bad english on my part they're no less good um they're still really well done like the stories are still worth reading so um, I think the one I have on my table right now, there's Star Wars Spark of the Resistance, uh, and it's a uh, journey to the Rise of Skywalker story. So I've read the first chapter of that so far, and it's a young adult book, uh, but it's it's good. You know, I, I'm enjoying it. So that's kind of how these ones from DC have been. Like the artwork is really good. Uh, it's worth a lot of these are worth getting just for the artwork and the art design. Um, and I've never heard of this artist before. It's like Sas Milledge, uh or Miege. But it's it. I really like the artwork on it. And the story seems like it would be really good. So I'm uh, looking forward to that one. 
Uh, then we have, um, let's see, looking, oh, there's a, uh, looking at the trades here, we have Batman Alfred Pennyworth trade paperback, so that makes sense that that would be, uh, have come out with Alfred passing away. Of course, you're going to want to spotlight a lot of stories with him. And Alfred's gone through a lot of changes through the years. There was all different types of Alfreds through the years, different looks and everything else. So, um, I'm hoping, I, I, I think I got this trade. Um, I'm hoping that they, uh, show all those different versions. So you kind of, kind of see the development of the character over the years through different stories. So, um, and then we have here, let's see, Justice League of America, a celebration of 60 years hardcover. So that's pretty cool because it jumps through different uh, stories. They've done various things like this. They've done like uh, Superman and Batman, like 80 years of those characters. Um, they've done 75 years of a lot of different characters. This is 60 years of the Justice League. So what you typically get is you'll typically get like the very first appearance, which this looks like it has. Um, the very first parents of that team, then you'll get other issues that show other iterations of those, of the team. So, um, and it's in a nice hardcover and it's extremely affordable. It's 30 bucks for a bunch of stories and it's a hardcover edition. So you really can't beat the price on that. Um, then we also have, let's see here. Oh, uh, Robin year one trade paperback. Just wanted to kind of mention that briefly because that is an excellent story. If you've never read that before, highly recommend it. It's written by Chuck Dixon and Scott Beatty. Uh, the art is really well done as Javier Polito and, uh, Robert Campanella. Uh, it's a really great story about the beginning of Robin, uh, as a character. And then we have tales of the Batman Marvel Wolfman hardcover, uh, volume one love this because i love marv wolfman he is definitely in my top five favorite writers of all time i mentioned about how he wrote christ on earth which is my favorite story of all time so of course he's got to be up there i also mentioned i think i mentioned that he was the writer on teen titans uh the run that a lot of people love including myself so how could how could i not like a batman hardcover collecting some of his stories and then the last thing in uh, DC is one Roman cheetah trade paperback. And this much like I was mentioning with the DC stuff and the Alfred, uh, or with the, uh, justice league stuff and with the Alfred Pennyworth collections, this collects a lot of the cheetah storylines. So, uh, spotlighting one of one, one of wonder woman's main villains. Like in my eyes, she is the main villain. Like she is, she is to wonder woman for me, what Joker is to Batman or Lex Luthor is to Superman. To me, Cheetah is the ultimate rival to Wonder Woman. I know that they try to do stuff where it's like, no, it's actually Ares, or no, it's actually uh, Minerva, and things like that. But to me, if you go out to anyone that actually knows Wonder Woman a little bit, and you ask them who is a Wonder Woman villain, nine times out of ten, they're going to tell you Cheetah. So uh, I'm glad to see that they're doing this trade, which will have, uh looks like her potentially it looks like her first appearance uh looks like she's been around for 75 years also uh but they're not doing like the hardcover collection like they've done with 75 year characters they're just doing a trade paperback so but i think that's really cool i think it's uh cool to get that so um then we have now i'm going into marvel uh so let's jump into here and we have wolverine number one uh so 
I have pretty much dropped all the X-Men titles at this point. I was very excited when I saw what they were doing as far as reinvigorating X-Men and loved what they were doing with the Powers of X and House of X and everything else, or Powers of Ten, however they wanted to call it. I was calling it Powers of X because that's what it looked like. Um, and was loved that story. Like, that was awesome. And was enjoying some of the titles that came out after that. Uh, and then they just keep adding more and more titles. And I'm like, are we going back to the 90s where there's so many X-Men titles that you can't keep up with what's going on? Um, like, I, I'm sorry, but I can't get 8 to 10 titles a month that are just X-Men. Like, I, I like variety. I, I love the X-Men. X-Men are, like, my top favorite team in Marvel uh, comics. And my number one favorite character in all of comics uh, or all of Marvel comics is Cyclops, which is the leader, one of the leaders of the X-Men. So, um, so it kind of pains me to be like, yeah, I'm just not, I just don't want to get any of them right now because, because they've over flooded the market. There were six titles that came out after the whole arc that, uh, powers of X and house of X miniseries that, that was reinvigorating everything. And I was getting all six of them, and then I was like, going to pick which ones out of those I was going to keep getting. And I, I decided on like three or four of them. And then uh, I was like, okay, that's a good amount, and I'll just stick with those. And then more titles started coming out. More, t- and I'm just like, okay, I just need to pump the brakes on all of this because I don't want to get into a situation where they're doing a crossover, and then I have to pick up other titles that I wasn't normally getting, which they're notorious for doing. So. I actually have cut out all the X-Men titles and I was like, you know, I'm just going to read my old X-Men titles that I love and enjoy and I'm just going to be happy with that. And there's times where I've had moments of weakness where I'm just like, well, maybe I'll just get these two titles or these three titles that I was going to be getting before anyways and was enjoying. And I'm like, no, I just need to not get any. I just need to stop. Uh, The reason I mention that is because they came out with Wolverine, number one. And... I thought about picking up the first issue just because I like picking up number one issues and just checking out, see see if it's any good. But what helped me to not get it was the price point on it. For the first issue, and it was an oversized issue, but for the first issue, it was $8. And I'm like, I'm not paying $8 for a title that I'm not even sure I want to read. So I didn't. <laughs> I was like, I saw it. I was like, nope. Yeah, even with the, the discount that I could get, uh, at the comic shop and uh, or at uh, through DCB sources, like no, I don't have any desire to get that for that price, and because I'm I'm not, I had no intention of continuing to read it, and I didn't want to end up picking it up and then going, oh yeah, I want to continue reading this. I mean, it wasn't like it was gonna be eight dollars every month, of course, but at the same time, I'm like, no, just I don't even need to go down that rabbit hole at all, and it also helped me make the decision that I was gonna probably stop getting X Men titles altogether. So. Speaking of X-Men titles, we have X-Men Fantastic Four crossover, which, of course, is Franklin Richards, uh, who is the son of Reed Richards and, and Sue Storm Richards. Um, she, or He is a mutant, and he has these amazing powers of being able to completely control reality. Uh, so, of course, the X-Men want to kind of take him under their wing and have him on the island of Genosha with them. Uh, and of course his family 
doesn't want him to. So that's basically the gist from what I can tell of this four-issue miniseries. I'm sure it's very good, but it was, again, one of those things where I was like, okay, I'm going to pass, and they're getting a little crazy with some of this stuff. So uh, Then we also have Giant Size X-Men, Jean Grey, and Emma Frost, number one. I do have this issue. It's a one-shot. They're doing a bunch of Giant Size X-Men where they spotlight specific characters. So I got this before I decided that I wasn't going to get any more X-Men. Like, not getting any more X-Men titles is a relatively recent thing for me that I decided on. So, um, some, a lot of the things that I'm mentioning in this catalog kind of helped me make that decision, but this issue coming out was before, uh, before I had made that decision. So I do have this title. I am looking forward to reading it. Like the, the X-Men titles that I, that I got already, I'm looking forward to reading those and then being done once I'm done reading those. And I realize some of them I'm probably leaving it at a cliffhanger or something like that. That's fine. Um, I've learned that, if I stop a series, even if I didn't get to finish the arc I was on, I eventually go and read something else anyways and forget that, oh, yeah, I never finished that. You know, it's fine because I'm reading something else I, I enjoy anyways. So, um, But it was interesting to have Jean Grey and Emma Frost in a title together. Uh, they're both telepaths, and they both have had relationships with Scott in the past, uh, which is Cyclops. So uh, that's interesting. So uh, then we have Falcon and Winter Soldier, number one of five. I didn't really have an interest in this. Uh, I am really looking forward to the uh, series that will eventually be on Disney Plus with these two characters. Uh, That I'm really looking forward to. They're both characters that I really like, uh, but I was like, this is just a a grab for people knowing that that story is coming on Disney Plus, like that that series is going to be on Disney Plus. This is not a miniseries that's like a direct connection to what's going to be on the show as far as I know um, but they're just basically going oh we're going to have these two characters on a show we need a comic at least a miniseries featuring both of them also it might be very good but I was just like I yeah I don't need to really read that so um, then we have let's see we have Nebula, number one of five. Again, one where I was like, I like the character in Guardians of the Galaxy. I've liked her in the comics just fine. Um, but I don't need a miniseries uh, to read about just that character. Uh, if you liked her a lot, that's awesome. Uh, the miniseries might be really good. I don't know. But it was just something where I was like, yeah, I can kind of pass on that right now. Uh, one other thing that I passed on was Marvel's Voices, number one. Um the reason I passed on it was because it felt very agenda based. Like I like I was saying with DC Black Label where it's like I like those stories because they're focused on the story. Just tell a good story and that's what I wanted to to do is I want to read a good story. When I see something like Marvel's Voices where it's like hey, we're spotlighting uh diversity and uh, that's basically what they're doing is, is, hey, here's some stories about characters that normally don't get the light of day. And that would be fine if it was just like, hey, we're, you know, we're spotlighting these characters because they don't get a lot of stories done about them. That would be one thing. That's not what they're doing. They're spotlighting them because, hey, these are minority characters. So that's why these stories are being told. I don't like that. I don't like agenda-based stories. I don't like it when it's like, I'm telling the story because uh, 
well, this character is very diverse. I'll give you an example. They're doing the new warriors. They're bringing the new warriors back, and I just heard about this recently. Their focus is the diversity of the characters, not their focus is telling a good story. Like, hey, we think we could tell some really good stories with these characters. That's not their focus. And you know that's not their focus because that's not the first thing that they say. There's a trailer out there of them talking about that series coming out. Um, And God, I wish I was making this up, but there's actually some characters uh, called Safe Space and Snowflake. And one of the first things they say about the character Snowflake is they go, she's a non-binary, the character's a non-binary using they and them pronouns. That's your first thing to say about the character. I have no, and let me be very clear, I have no problem if whatsoever with anyone living their lifestyle that way, that's fine. I don't have anyone telling me how to live my lifestyle. I'm not going to tell you how to live your lifestyle. Um, and if we, and if I met you and you're non-binary and you use they and them pronouns or whatever like that, and you tell me that I am happy to oblige you, I will not, don't expect me to, to know that without you letting me, letting me know that. Um, you know, it, it's like if your name is Steve, I don't know that your name is Steve and you tell me your name is Steve. Now I will call you Steve up until that point. I'm going to call you, Hey dude. And what's up guy and stuff like that. It's the same thing there when it comes to people that are uh, trans or non-binary or, or whatever you are, you or if you identify as a woman or something like that, like you're male, but you identify as a woman. If you want me to call you she and stuff, that's fine, but I won't know that until you tell me that. So I have no problem with that. But when your focus, your very first focus for telling a story with characters is that you have to tell me that that they're non-binary using they and them pronouns. That's not the story. That's not your, the story is not your focus at that point. Then your focus is an agenda. Your focus is on, I need to make sure that we're reaching out to a certain group of people. You can do that by telling a good story. Like there's been so many good stories. I was just talking about the X-Men earlier, the X-Men, tell a good story and guess what the story is somewhat based on racism and things like that it's it's not but it but their focus was telling good stories not hey look at this this is just like racism shouldn't we be paying attention to this because it's it's just like racism that's not what they did they were like let's tell some really good stories these are the undertones that are in those good stories but we're going to tell good stories and then left it up to the readers to go holy crap, crap, this is just like racism. That's what these characters are facing right now. You know, they're, they're, these characters were born different and they're hated and feared because of how they were born. Um, so like that's a powerful message, but they did it by telling good stories, not because they said, well, here's, here's what we want to do. This is the message we want to make sure we're getting across. So that's why I passed on this Marvel's voices is because I don't like comics put out there to tell an agenda. It's fine if you want to create them and it's fine if you're someone that's like, I love those types of stories. That's, that's your cup of tea. You go for it. I applaud you go for it. It's not for me. I want to read good stories. And if I get a message out of that good story, 
that's fantastic. Like, you'll actually hear me mention that later on with uh, an issue that I read where I was like, wow, that's actually pretty, has some pretty powerful messaging also in there. Um, but they told a good story first. Um, so, so yeah, so I avoided this Marvel's voices just because, and there might be some great stories in there. I don't know, but when you're calling it that and you're pointing out the fact that this is why it was created, I'm like, I don't, I personally don't need to read agenda based comics. I'm not going to read that new warriors comic because everything I heard about every single character, it was about that character being different and and appealing to a a small subsection of an audience which that's it's fine to give those all those people voices that's fine create characters for them and everything else but the but the things about those characters shouldn't be the focus the story should be the focus and, and i hate them just kind of hammering this home over and over again but it's just it really pisses me off and it really drives me crazy when it's like, like I'm telling a story, uh, doing my, trying to do my own comic with the stealth hammer. It's a female character, uh, loosely based on my wife and everything. I'm trying to tell a good story with her. Like I'm trying to tell this, this really cool story of this, this young, uh, adult, character who gets powers she finds she has a has a family legacy to uphold uh she's got a lot of responsibilities got a lot of power finds herself in this fantastical world because of it uh that's just building up around her my focus is the story now if someone reads it and gets a message out of it of like yeah this this was just a really great empowered female character you know really it really resonated with me because of that that's awesome that means i told a good story that really hit home for someone that they could identify with the character and really felt like it that character spoke to them that's what's important to me is that i told a good enough story that that you got something out of it not that hey i gotta i gotta really build this female character up because the women empowerment and stuff like that that's what i'm going for with this character that's not what i'm going for i'm going for a really good story with a cool character my character happens to be female and they said if you get good if you get female empowerment out of that awesome that's that's great my drive though is to tell a really good story um and and I just I wish that that was what the focus was of, of comic creators. I and and I'm not trying to lump all comic creators together because I also hate when that happens. It's like oh, they all comic creators feel this way. They don't. Um, but there's a certain s- section of comic creators that want to drive agendas, no matter if it's on the left side or the right side. I don't care. If you're trying to drive an agenda, that's fine. You're welcome to create those types of comics. I'm just not going to be interested in reading them. So. Uh, and I can tell you right now, the people that say that we need mean more of this in comics, there needs to be more of these agenda focused comics so that we can, you know, because the, the people have been left out for too long. Number one, I will agree with you that there's been, uh, certain subsections of groups, whether it's, uh, minorities or, uh, ethnic backgrounds or uh, sexual orientation backgrounds or anything like that um, 
yes, we want to have some representation for them that we never really looked at before. Uh, but the people that are pushed and, and so good, put some characters like that in the stories again, with the focus being on the story, not on the character being one of those subsections. Um, and I don't say subsections as a derogatory thing. I am a subsection of society. I'm a white male. It's, it's a subsection of all people. So that's what I mean by that. So just to be clear, because so many times words can be taken as, oh, that's, you're saying subsection like it's a negative thing. It's like, no, everyone's a subsection of society. Um, but <laughs> I told you, you guys, you're going to hear some really interesting thoughts from my head when, on these Patreon episodes. Um, but yeah, it's, I just, again, I don't know where I was going, but basically, yes, I, I just want some good stories. Oh, I know what it was. The people that are pushing for these agenda type comics are not the people buying the comics. Like they might go out and buy issue one and show it on their YouTube channel or their social media channel going, look, look how, look, I'm, I'm in, I'm, I'm supporting this comic and you should too, and blah, blah, blah. And those people will never buy issue two or they will never buy issue three. They'll never actually support the comic industry. They'll never, never actually support the comic because their focus wasn't to go out and pick up a good story to read. Their focus was to pick up an agenda that they can then use for their platform. And that's the difference. I go into a comic shop looking for a good story to read. When I pick up a comic, I'm looking to read a good story. I'm looking for something that takes me away from the world that I'm living in. Much like I said with this this episode, I'm hoping it brings you some entertainment and some insight and everything else that's taking your mind off of what's going on in the world right now. Um, so that's what I do. That's why I get issue 750 of the flash. Granted, I don't have all 749 issues before it, but I have a lot of the issues before it. Um, but that's why is because I, I know that history because I was reading all the stories because I enjoyed reading those stories. So, so they said this comic, the Marvel's voice, they said there might be some very good stories in there. If you read it, and there are really good stories because it looks like it has Miles Morales, Storm, Nick Fury, Black Panther, Night Thrasher in it. I love all those characters. All those characters are awesome. Um, I, I can't even think of one of them where I'm just kind of, eh. Like, maybe Black Panther, I haven't read as much of his of issues with him by himself. Uh, I've read him in Avengers stuff and everything else, but... Um, but, like, I've read Night Thrasher and New Warriors. Uh, I've read a lot of Miles Morales stuff. I've read a lot of Storm stuff. She's probably the one I've read the most of. Nick Fury, uh, I've read a lot of him, uh, including his origin uh, of this version of Nick Fury. So, I like all these characters, and I want these stories to be really good. So, if if you've read this and you're like, yeah, the the stories are actually really good. They're actually worth picking. That that issue is actually worth picking up. Then that's cool. Then maybe I, I'll go check it out and see if I can find a copy of it. Um, but the title of it and the agenda of it is what just kind of turned me off. So, so enough on, the, on that. <laughs> uh, Gwen Stacy, number one of five. Uh, this is something that I believe is coming out weekly or uh, biweekly. But it it issue two and I want to at least issue two's out already, if not issue three. Um, but I like the character Gwen Stacy. It's a character I have not read that much about other than the death of Gwen Stacy. So 
I was curious what they're going to do with her. It's written by uh, Christos Gage, who I really like as a writer. So, um, and then there was a, a, co- a variant cover by J. Scott Campbell, which I think is the one that I picked up. Uh, and you guys know that I really like his artwork. So, and then let's see here. Uh, why to mention the amazing Mary Jane? Uh, Mary Jane Watson is one of my favorite supporting characters in comics. So. Um, she's at least in my top five characters. So like, I love commissioner Gordon's my number one, uh, Mary Jane Watson and Lois Lane are probably like two and three, depending on the day they can vary. Um, Alfred's definitely up there. I'm trying to think who else supporting character wise that I really enjoy a lot. Uh, Perry White's a character I've always really liked as a supporting character. Um, so when they were doing a, a title on Mary Jane, it was called Amazing Mary Jane. I was like, I need to pick this up. I need to to read this. Um, it's it's a little too goofy for my for I guess based on what I was expecting. It, this unfortunately is one of the situations which I shouldn't do. But I was expecting one thing and got something different. And because I was expecting something and got something different, I, I was like, eh, it's not, it's, this is a little too silly. It was just a little, I, I think it was a little bit like it was for Wonder Twins with me, where it was like, I kind of wanted something different from this title because I really liked the character so much of Mary Jane that I was like, well, I want to read some cool adventures of her where she's not relying on Spider-Man. Um, where she kind of just kicks ass on her own. The stuff that I'll tell you right now exactly what I was kind of looking for. There, the Iron Man title for a little while had Mary Jane was hired by Tony Stark to run Stark Industries for a while. And I felt like I got a really good insight as to how capable of a character Mary Jane was on her own in that title. That's what I was looking for with this, is I wanted to see that that strong character that I was reading in the in the Iron Man title that was running Stark Industries and stuff like that for a while and uh, she she was awesome in that like I, I wanted that in this and reading that in Iron Man was what made me want to read this amazing Mary Jane title but that's not what I got and I think that's what made me disappointed in it so uh, so I'm, I'm not getting this title anymore, but which is a disappointment because, like I said, it's one of my, it's in my top three favorite supporting characters in in all of comics. So, um, then we have, let's see here, Fantastic Four Grim Noir, which I thought was just a clever thing because it's focusing on the thing, which is Ben Grimm. So you got Grimm playing on the word Grim Noir. Uh, he's being, looks like he's being a detective. It's a one shot. I didn't pick this up, but I just, I thought it was clever. It looked interesting. I'm not the biggest fantastic four fan in the world. I've gotten more into them and because I appreciate their history a lot more, but I haven't been enjoying the Dan slot run. Uh, I have a few more issues of what I already had gotten to read, but I just wasn't, it was just missing the mark. I, and I gave it a good shake. I, I gave it a good 10, 11, or 12 issues, which is a lot, uh, especially if you're going, yeah, I'm not really enjoying this too much, uh, to go that many issues of not really enjoying it. Like, it wasn't bad, but it just was like, yeah, uh, I'd read an issue and go, yeah, all right, it's fine. Like, and to be just like, that's fine, it's not good enough. So, um, 
so I think that's why I didn't pick up this one shot. And also, you know, the thing isn't really a favorite character of mine. Um, he's fine. I can't imagine the Fantastic Four without him, and I can't imagine Marvel, the Marvel Universe, without the Fantastic Four. Um, but I know there's like my buddy Chris Campbell. He's a huge fan of the th- the character of the thing. It doesn't really do much for me. I like the character fine, but I I haven't read very many stories with the thing in it where I was like, wow, that that was a good story with that character. However, I will tell you, like I've said many times, a character is only as good as the creative team. The story is only as good as the creative team. So, uh, you can, I firmly believe you can take any character out there and tell an amazing story with them. Um, it's just, can you come up with something like that? Uh, I really, really, really do believe that. So there probably is a, a story of the thing out there that I would read and be like, wow, that blew my mind that had me looking at this character totally different than i ever thought i would um i just haven't read that story yet uh it might already be out there or it might or this may have been it and i just missed it so (laughs) who knows um then we have spirits of ghost rider mother of demons so we have lilith uh is returning a character i really loved uh as a villain in the uh uh, Midnight Suns era of Ghost Rider and Night Stalkers and all that, and Blade, all that type of stuff. Um, so I do have this issue. I've stopped getting Ghost Rider, uh, but I I got several issues that led up to this one shot. So I'll be able to read it and kind of get an idea of what what they're looking to do. Um, I was enjoying Ghost Rider as just you know making cuts to titles and everything else. So. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to kind of seeing what they do with Lilith there. Uh, I haven't read the issue yet, but like I said, looking forward to checking that out. Uh, Conan uh, Battle for the Serpent Crown, number one of five. I am getting this miniseries. I have actually dropped the Conan titles just because I haven't been reading them. Uh, I They're very good. I, I was really enjoying them. People that listen to the Patreon episodes know that I'm not the biggest Conan fan. I'm just, I'm not... I'm not a big barbarian fan. Like I like him in Master of the Universe, but I'm not typically in Thunder of the Barbarian. Awesome, but I'm not typically a big barbarian fan. Like I like the Conan movies fine. I like the character fine, but I'm more of the the sleek hero type fan. So that's why I like characters like Green Lantern and Flash and Cyclops and stuff like that. I'm not the uh, I'm not the Hulk thing fan you know like i'm not the big bulky muscle bound characters you know uh which is probably when i've never gotten into wrestling a whole lot like i liked wrestling when i was a kid in the 80s but i just it just doesn't really do anything for me now again it's awesome if you're into that and i have my co-hosts that really enjoy it and a lot of my friends really enjoy it just not it's just not for me um, and Conan's kind of the same thing. Like the issues of Conan that I've read and the ones I have that I'm looking forward to reading really enjoyed the ones that I had. Uh, but it was just a title that was like, I think it just kind of fell off because it's not typically my thing to read. Um, so I was like, if I'm not reading it, why am I getting it? So, but I am interested in the serpent crown, especially cause there's a lot of lore in the Marvel universe with the serpent crown. So this mini series is something that I am looking forward to checking out for that reason. 
Then we have Star Wars number three. So this is the new launch of Star Wars. I have not read this yet. Uh, I'm getting caught up on my Star Wars. I'm getting caught up on all my Star Joes related reading. Um, but I'm getting caught up on uh, Star Wars uh, so that I can read this. This new Star Wars series takes place after Empire Strikes Back, like immediately after Empire Strikes Back. So I'm looking forward to reading that. Uh, they jumped ahead in time. I'm sure this series will go on for a while and it'll lead up to Return of the Jedi. And then they'll probably do another another relaunch uh of Star Wars that'll take place after Return of the Jedi. It leads up to Force Awakens. It's just my guess. Um, but yeah, looking looking forward to this. It's written by Charles Soule, uh, who is a great, great writer. Then we have uh, Star Wars Darth Vader number one. So it's a new launch for Darth Vader. Uh, this is by Greg Pak, who I love as a writer. Again, haven't read this yet, just because I'm not completely caught up on my Star Wars reading. Uh, but Everything that's been Darth Vader that's come out from Marvel so far, I have absolutely loved. So uh, I am hoping that this is not going to be any different than that. Uh, then we have Star Wars The Rise of Kylo Ren, number three of four. I did read the first issue of this and really, really liked it a lot. If you like the character of Kylo Ren, you absolutely would want to read this this miniseries. Um, I think it was done, ex- so far it's been done extremely well. I do have issues two and three with me. I uh, just haven't read them yet, but I read issue one and really, really enjoyed it. So, um, And then, let's see here, jumping to trades. Uh, we have Ditko is Strange King Size Hardcover. So this is an oversized hardcover edition of Doctor Strange titles that were done by Steve Ditko, who whose artwork was just amazing for and worked so well for Doctor Strange because it's just this wacky, like acid trip type artwork, uh, which is again, perfect for Dr. Strange. Um, I didn't get this at all, but I love the idea of being able to see this amazing, crazy world, uh, that Ditko was drawing for Dr. Strange and an oversized edition. That's just a really great idea. Uh, then we have star Wars, Darth Vader, dark Lord of the Sith volume two hardcover. This is the stuff that was written by Charles soul. Uh, absolutely loved the Darth Vader series that Charles Soule did. Uh, I was iffy when it was first announced because I loved the one that was done previous to that, uh, which I'm trying to remember uh, the creators on that. I know it was Salvador La Roca and Kieran Gillen that did uh, Darth Vader originally. And it was amazing. And then when I heard that they were, they were ending that one and then they were about to relaunch Darth Vader, I was like... Uh, I was like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to, I feel like they're just going for it because they're doing the title again because they, they, Darth Vader was selling so well, um, for the star Wars titles. And then I saw it was written by Charles soul. And I was like, okay, it's probably going to be pretty good because again, really trust his writing. And it was, it was absolutely amazing. So, um, so there's that in trade. And then we have uh, star Wars volume 13, uh, this collects uh, the Star Wars series uh, up until it, it ended, uh, which was Star Wars issues 73 through 75 and Star Wars Empire Ascendant. So those are like the last few issues I still need to read, uh, but here they are in trade paperback. Uh, and then, let's see here, we have a bunch of uh, trades and stuff based on the Black Widow movies uh, that is delayed right now from coming out because of the virus, but will come out 
uh, at some point, but there's a Black Widow by Wade and Somni, which is a great collection of stories there. We have uh, Black Widow Marvel Team-Up, so you get to see Black Widow teaming up with a bunch of different characters throughout the years. And then we also have Taskmaster, the right price trade paperback, which highlights some various Taskmaster uh, stories, and Taskmaster is one of the villains in the Black Widow movie. So uh, Then we have some x-men trades we have uh some milestone ones that they've been doing uh lately so we have x-men milestones operation zero tolerance trade paperback uh which was a okay x-men story in the in the past then we have x-men milestones messiah complex uh which i actually really enjoyed messiah complex quite a bit uh and then we have x-men avengers onslaught volume one trade paperback so they're recollecting the the onslaught storyline that that was out there um and then we have uh, Marvel Monograph, The Art of Chris Bocciolo. I love Chris Bocciolo's art. Uh, I did not get this title, but I really... It's something I would definitely be interested in getting at some point in the future. Um, his his artwork is just absolutely beautiful. So, looking forward to uh, checking that out one day. Um, so, it is almost midnight here uh so i'm gonna pause for right now i'm not gonna go into the main previous catalog because i have a lot to cover in there uh so this might be a three-nighter type thing where i'm gonna record each night until uh i get through all these catalogs but we've done a good hour and a half now uh like i said these episodes tend to be longer ones because i have a lot to say about various comics when i come across them and then i go on crazy tangents about life in general uh and my thoughts on things and you don't have to you absolutely do not have to agree with anything that i say you could have a completely opposite opinion you could think i'm completely full of shit and that's fine like that's we're all all entitled to our opinions um you could hate me for what i think uh i hope you don't uh i don't hate anyone i don't hate too many people for what they think there's a few people i hate for what they think but um those are like you know nazis and things like that so yeah those people i hate for what they think um racists things like that which is kind of synonymous with nazis um yeah that those types of people i hate for what they think i hope you don't think that i'm in line with anybody along those lines but um but like i said i like a good debate of ideas i love a good debate of thoughts and everything else so um place i I hope you know maybe it gives you some more insight as to who i am as a person and stuff like that and hopefully that doesn't detract you from wanting to keep listening to the show uh and as always of course my viewpoints and everything else are mine alone they don't uh they're not the same viewpoints as chuck or robert or shannon or john or or eric or anybody or travis or anybody that we would have on the show these are solely my thoughts solely my opinions when it comes to anything including opinions on comics and opinions on life and whatnot so um a lot more is coming uh for me it's going to be another day or so uh, before i'll be recording but for you guys it'll just be a matter of seconds so i will see you in just a few seconds Hey guys, uh, welcome back, and it's actually been a few days since I recorded last time. Uh, It's now Tuesday the 31st, um, and I'm back in my kitchen, and it's about quarter to 11, so uh, I have two previous catalogs to go through, 
as far as the main catalogs and then the DC one and the Marvel. As usual, this is going to be unedited uh, like these Patreon uh, episodes usually are. Um, you might hear me cough a little bit. I can tell you I'm completely healthy. Um, but every year around this time when the weather is changing, I get a little tickle in the back of my throat and it causes me to cough here and there. So especially with me doing a lot of talking, it's likely that I will have a cough here and there. But with everything going on, I wanted people to rest assured that I'm perfectly healthy, perf- you know, perfectly fine. My wife, thankfully, is perfectly fine and healthy. Um, and she's the one I, I am most concerned about. Um, so uh, it's, I know it's a, it's a tough time for everyone. Again, hopefully this is a bit of a relief for you guys. Um, and... Uh, I'm, you know, I'm seeing people posting stuff about them knowing somebody with that got Corona and passed away from it or got Corona is in the hospital. And honestly, it's my biggest fear. Um, not for me, but for my wife, I would, you know, the thought of her getting this thing and then seeing her going to the hospital and that being maybe the last time I see her is just terrifying to me. Um, and, but it's what keeps me motivated to, stay safe, stay healthy, stay, you know, secure here in our home. Um, we're being very careful about everything. Uh, I hope all of you are too. If you are one that is not staying home, sorry, but what is wrong with you? You, you, you need to take this thing seriously. Um, this is not a, uh, conspiracy. This is not a, uh, fake news thing. This is not anything like this is something that's affecting the whole world. Um, and the best way that you can protect yourself and protect the people you care about is to stay home as much as possible. Um, you know, take care of yourself. Of course, you know, get the groceries you need and things like that, get your essentials, but doing things that put you in harm's way unnecessarily, uh, is just not a good move at all. Uh, like I said, unless it's food or medical needs or something like that, there's, really no reason that you have to go out for anything. And that's how you can protect yourself and protect those around you. Um, if you are getting claustrophobic, uh, if you're getting stir crazy, anything like that, you need to talk to somebody, you need to interact with someone. There is, um, so many different ways to reach out to people right now. Uh, you can reach out by, you know, text, by phone call, FaceTime, Skype, uh, Zoom is a popular one right now. Uh, Facebook, you can reach out through Messenger. There's a video option, I believe, through Messenger as well. You can do that. Um, and if you feel like you just don't have someone that you can reach out to and you're, and you're going a little stir-crazy and you just want to get out, reach out to me. Uh, I've said this many times on the show in the past. Like, If you think that no one cares about you and your well-being, you're wrong because I do. I might not know who you are. Uh, we may have never interacted before, but believe me, I still do care. Um, so, and I've had plenty of people that have taken me up on that. I've had plenty of people that have reached out to me in the past and have been like, uh, just wanting to talk and we don't have to talk about anything that's driving you crazy. You don't, we don't have to talk about anything like we don't have to talk about the virus or anything like that. We can talk comics. We can talk GI Joe. We can talk Star Wars. We can talk movies. We can talk sports, whatever, you know, art, I don't care, whatever you want to talk about. Um, you can tell me childhood stories of you growing up. I don't care. Um, but, uh, 
but like I said, the most important thing is that you, you stay safe and stay healthy and everything else. So, and keep those around you the same. Um, yeah, it's, it's a strange time. Um, but again, hopefully this is a nice break. Uh, just listening to this episode. Uh, I apologize for those that haven't heard the Patreon episodes in the past. They do tend to be long. They are just me. So if it's difficult for you to listen to one voice for a very long period of time, might not be the show for you. Although I have been told by some people that they thought like listening to a long episode of just me was, uh, not gonna be something you'd sit through and I don't blame them. I couldn't sit through just me talking the whole time, but, <laughs> but, uh, a lot of people told me it's, it, it actually was a lot of fun. So hopefully that is the case for you when you're listening to this. Um, I know last time I went on some weird tangents and some crazy tangents talking about, you know, uh, agenda comics and everything else. And I, I don't, I, I still stand by that. I don't like them. Uh, but in retrospect, I want to make it very clear. I think I did when I talked about it earlier, but I want to make it very clear. I absolutely love diversity in comics. I absolutely love, um, diversity when it comes to creators, when it comes to characters, when it comes to story. Uh, I, I, I'm, I think it's awesome when you can fit, uh, real social issues into a comic. Uh, I see it happen a lot. And like I said, I'll mention it on one that's, uh, that we'll be covering in this episode, but I don't like it when that is the reason for doing the comic. And like I said, some people do love that and that's perfectly fine. Uh, that, that's your cup of tea. Um, I, I'm someone just giving an idea. Like I'm not someone that likes slice of life comics. There's other people that love slice of life comics. That's great. They're just not for me. I don't really like watching a whole lot of this could, could happen in the real world type movies or TV shows or comics. It's just, I watch TV and movies to escape reality. Um, and same thing with my books and my, uh, comics. So I don't really watch things like that. Uh, there, there's exceptions. There've been times I've watched stuff. I'm like, wow, that was really good. Um, and, uh, I'll, you know, or I hear from other people that something was really good and I'll check it out. But typically it's just not something like, I don't see something and go, oh yeah, that's totally up my alley. So it's the same thing with agenda comics. Like I said, for some people, that's it's exactly what they want. That's the stuff they want to read and that everyone has their own taste and that's perfectly fine. They are very, they, they put me off very much. So like I said, if your goal of telling, a, of doing a comic is to address a social issue or a political issue or something like that, it does not appeal to me at all. It doesn't matter right or left. It, you know, when it comes to political things, it doesn't matter. It's not of interest to me. Um, but if your goal is to tell a well crafted story, uh, and your characters are diverse in that story, that's fantastic. That's the way it should be. Um, so that's why I didn't really, that's why I went on that tangent when it came to the, uh, I think it was called voices or something like that for Marvel, because that comic seemed to be focused on the agenda and not telling good stories with those characters. Cause I, I think I mentioned like, I love those characters that they were telling stories with. So if the stories were actually good, I'd love to hear it because maybe then it's something I do want to pick up. 
But like I said, a lot of times when you're putting a comic like that together, it's there's a lot of agenda behind the story, and it's not the story itself. So that I just wanted to clear that up. Like I said, I, I don't want to come. I don't think I did, but I don't want to come across as somebody who is against diversity in any way or anything like that. You guys, if you've listened to any length of time, you know that's not how I am at all. Um, but you also know that I don't like when things are just changed for for PC reasons or things are um, done just for political correctness reasons or uh, for agenda-based type stuff. Like I said, it's just, it's not something that appeals to me and I don't like it. I don't, I think you should be genuine. I think you should, if you're a storyteller, then you should want to tell a good story. Um, and that's, that's what I'm trying to do. That's what a lot of creators do. And I will say a lot of creators get a bad rap for, for, for a minute amount of people. So there's a small contingency out there that are very vocal and they push those agenda type issues and agenda type comics. But most creators just want to tell cool stories with characters that they love, whether they are their own characters that they've created themselves or their characters that have been established for years. So, um, so I, I think that's why I've not become disenchanted with, uh, comics in general is because I think most creators just want to tell a cool story. Um, whereas I think there's some people that become disenchanted because they're hearing this vocal minority of creators out there and it's turning them off. So, um, so that's my 25 cents at this point on that. So, uh, let's go ahead and jump into the previous catalog. Um, so I wanted to touch base on some of the, uh, free comic book day issues. Now, uh, with everything going on, free comic book day is going to be postponed. Uh, my comic shop talked about, uh, figuring out a way to still do free comic book day once everything is up and running again. Of course, that's going to depend on publishers putting stuff out, and I'm still deciding to do a free comic book day this year and everything, so we'll see. But there was a few titles that came out. I saw there's going to be a Marvel Comics X-Men number one uh, that was going to be available then. And then there was a Legend of Zelda, Twilight Princess, uh, and Splatoon uh, Squid Kids comedy show preview. So the Twilight Princess one, I'm pretty sure, is just going to be a reprint of some manga that this media has been doing. Um, and I have those, uh, trade, they're kind of like original graphic novels. Um, I think there's been five or six volumes so far. So, uh, but they're very good if, if you, it's one of the few things I can get into when it's manga is because it's a, on properties that I enjoy. I don't get into a lot of manga, uh, or anime, but when it's properties I grew up with or properties that I enjoy and they're doing a manga version of it, um, it makes me want to check it out. And Legend of Zelda really other than the Valiant comics that were done a long time ago, Legend of Zelda has only really ever been done as manga comics. Um, so uh, I do have quite a few of those, uh, and the Twilight Princess one was a multi-volume one. So, uh, which Twilight Princess is my second or third favorite Zelda game. I am a huge, Legend of Zelda is my favorite game, video game property, um, and so my very my first one favorite is Link to the Past. That will always be my favorite. Um, next might be the original Legend of Zelda, which I think was a fantastic game and definitely broke new ground. Um, and then Twilight Princess and then 
uh, things like Ocarina of Time is phenomenal. So I haven't played every Legend of Zelda game, but I've played quite a few of them. So uh, then jumping ahead, it looks like there's going to be another DC Comics Silver level. I think it's been revealed that that is now, but I'm not sure. And then there was a Spider-Man Venom free comic book day title, uh, also classified. Um, so let's see what comes of those. Um, let's see. I marked this page, but I don't see. Well, there's also Street Fighter number 100, uh, Ryu versus Chun-Li. The Street Fighter ones are pretty fun. Uh, I've tried... I've checked them out on Free Comic Book Day. That's really the only day I have checked them out. Um, but I have fun reading those. Those, along with The Tick, are always a comic that I will typically pick up on Free Comic Book Day just because I get it each year, and it's just a fun little escape-type issue. Then from Image Comics, we have Stealth, number one of six. Uh, I marked this only because... Uh, since my comic is Stealth Hammer, when I saw a comic called Stealth, I was like, okay, let me see what this is about. Um, it's very different It's uh, from what I'm doing. It says, uh, this is definitely not in all ages. It's written by Mike Costa, which I found very interesting um, since he's a friend of the show and everything. I uh, haven't had him on in a long time. I should probably reach out to him and see if he'd like to come on. I know he's not doing anything Joe-related anymore, but he is uh, writing a lot of comics nowadays, so... Uh, for decades, Stealth has waged war on crime in Detroit, but now he's taken his pursuit of justice too far. Only reporter Tony Barber knows that behind Stealth's reckless behavior is an older man battling Alzheimer's, his father. Uh, a father unwilling to accept that he no longer he's no longer the hero this city needs, with enemies all too eager to force his retirement. So sounds interesting uh it says created by robert kirkman so it must be a concept that robert kirkman created well, it's created by robert kirkman and mark silvestri uh and stealth is an action-packed series perfect for readers who enjoy black panther and iron man so it seems like they took a concept and then gave it to mike costa to write because i don't think stealth has ever been anything before that uh, then there was really nothing else from Image in this particular catalog that caught my eye. Um, but when we got into Dark Horse, uh, Starship Down seemed really interesting. Um, so with this one, it's a cultural anthropologist consults with U.S. naval intelligence to investigate the discovery of an extraterrestrial ship buried under the ice for thousands of years in Siberia. The meddling Russians, Vatican officials, and international media spotlight and her own insecurities all threaten her efforts to keep the fabric of society from crumbling. So the artwork is what kind of caught my attention. The storyline uh, seemed very interesting. Um, there's like lots of uh, cave paintings and stuff like that. And then you see this big ship uh, in ice. And I, like I said, just the artwork I thought was very strong. Uh, it's by an artist named Andrea Moody. Muddy. Um, so I'm not familiar with her. But, uh, like I said, her artwork definitely caught my eye. So, uh, then going into IDW, which as many of you guys know, IDW is the meat and potatoes of this particular, uh, podcast because they do so many licensed properties. So even though Marvel has DC or Marvel has DC, wow, 
maybe one day, <laughs> even though Marvel has Star Wars and DC has Masters of the Universe and uh, Thundercats, um, IDW pretty much has everything else. So, um, so yeah, so the, this is really where we see a lot of the stuff that we cover on the show or our show is based on. So first thing to mention is Transformers versus Terminator number one. So number one has come out. I have not read it yet. Um, but an interesting concept because I'm hoping that what it is, it's t- that it takes place. I'd like it to take place in the future where Skynet has already taken over and then you got the Transformers involved. Uh, it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case because uh, it looks like it takes place in 1984 before everything happened. Um, but maybe we'll get glimpses of the future. Uh, that's what I would really like to see. I think that's what a lot of people wanted to see in Terminator, and that's where they wanted to see everything progress. So you had Termi- the first Terminator movie's phenomenal. Then you have T2, which was amazing also. Um, and then they kind of go downhill after that. Um, I think it was Terminator Salvation is the one that took place in the future, if I remember right. And I actually liked that one because it was it felt like a progression of the story. Um, and that's what I wish this would be, is I wish this would be something where we're progressing into the future, and that's when the Transformers show up. But um, that's not. it seems like that's not what we're getting, but maybe we'll get glimpses of that. Um, I'm still very interested in this. Uh, we're getting art from Alex Milne, uh, who's a f- fantastic artist and worked on Transformers for a long time. So interested to see uh, what they do with it. Uh, we also have writers uh, David Mariette, who I'm not familiar with, but John Barber and Tom Waltz, who I am familiar with. Uh, and they always do a, a really great job. So uh, then we have Transformers number 19. Uh, which I am slowly getting caught up on Transformers. Uh, I think I'm at issue 9 right now. Uh, so obviously with issue 19 coming out, I'm about 10 issues behind. But um, the main Transformers title, it's not bad. It's just not great. Like, it's I'll read an issue and be like, alright, that was, that was an okay read. Like, I can't even say it was a good read. It's like, it's just an okay read. Like, there's elements in each issue that I'm like, okay, that was cool. Like that, that was that. Those two, three pages were really good, a good read. But then the rest of it's just kind of like meh. Um, and I, I feel like maybe a little bit that there's just not a lot of direction for the story. Like I'm sure the creators do have a direction for it uh, and where they want to go and the story that they're wanting to tell. Um, but I feel like with Transformers, you need like a big picture of where you're going. Like you need to know 50 issues down the line where the story is going to lead to. I feel like that's what happened with um, More Than Meets the Eye. I feel like the creators there had an idea of where this was all going to go because when you got to the later issues of More Than Meets the Eye, all of a sudden you saw how it circled back to things that happened in the early issues and it really brought it all together. And a lot of you guys know that listen to the show for a while. I was not a big fan of more than meets the eye for a while. Like I thought, again, I thought it was just an okay series. And then when I started getting into the later issues and started seeing how it was tying back to those earlier issues, I was like, wow, this is actually great. They, they've been planning this thing for a while and maybe that'll be the case with this transformer series too. I'm not sure. Um, you know, time will, will certainly tell, but like I said, the first, you know, nine issues that I've read so far, it's been just, it's been an okay title. Um, now in 
they also have uh, Volume 2 solicited here uh, for the Transformers title, and that's going to collect issues 13 through 18, so it'll bring you right up to speed to issue number 19. Um, so, yeah, like I said, we'll see. Now, a different thing that I've had happen was with Transformers Galaxies. I've read Transformers Galaxies 1 through 4 so far. This is a soliciting issue 7, but I've read issues 1 through 4, which is all about the Constructicons, and you also had a lot of insight into the Insecticons in the story. That story is phenomenal. It's one of the best Transformers stories I have ever read. Um, it's right up there with like All Hail Megatron and, and uh, things like that, where I'm just like, wow, this really like blew me away. It because you get insight into who the Constructicons are and how they became Devastator and what that did to them. Um, you get insight into who the Insecticons were because they have insight for the Constructicons as far as like, hey, here's the path we went down and here's what happened to us. And it's going to happen to you also. Um, so it was very, very interesting to uh, read and I absolutely loved it. I actually am planning on having the writer and the artist uh, on the show, uh, both have said they'd be happy to come on. Uh, I don't know if I'll have them both on at the same time or separately, but from what I understand, the writer had never written a comic before. Um, he seems like he's written other things, but he's never written a comic before. Um, and he was, a, he's a big Transformers fan as far as I know. So, um, it just shows that you can in some cases you can have a fan that can tell an amazing story because they're a fan. There's other times when you have a fan and they they tell a story because they're a fan but then they, it just kind of falls apart for them. Um, so uh, you can't always guarantee that someone being a fan is going to tell a great story. Like uh, A thought is like, okay, I'm really trying to become a writer in comics because it's a passion. It's something I really enjoy uh, is telling stories. And I love comics, so it's a perfect match. And I love G.I. Joe. I don't think I would ever want to tell a G.I. Joe story. Do I think I could do a good job? Like if someone came up to me and said, hey, would you be willing to, to write a art story arc for G.I. Joe? I absolutely would jump at the chance. And I would do everything I could to tell the best G.I. Joe story I ever could. But I would be scared shitless to do so. Um, because as much as I love G.I. Joe and as much as I feel like I know a lot about G.I. Joe, I just don't know if I could live up to what I would expect from a great G.I. Joe story. Uh, flip side of that, if I ever had the chance to write a Star Wars story, I would jump at the chance in a heartbeat because I feel like I know, I feel like I could tell a good Star Wars story. Um... I will never say I can write a great story of anything because that's up for other people to determine, but I do think I could write a, a good Star Wars story. I feel like I could write a good Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle story and probably a good Ghostbuster story. But G.I. Joe would be really tough for me. Um, Transformers, depending on what it was, would be tough for me. Um, Again, maybe certain select using certain select characters. I think I could do a good job, especially if it was like a smaller scale story. Um, so yeah, it, it's just interesting to think about. Like He Man, Master Universe. I think I could tell a good story, but I would have to do a lot of research because it's not a prop. Even though I know a lot about the property more than your average person on the street, 
Um, I don't know all the nooks and crannies like some of my friends do. Um, same thing with Voltron. Like Voltron, I don't know if I would want to tackle that because I would have to do a lot of research. Not that I'm opposed to doing a lot of research on a toy property at all, but I just feel like the level to get me up to where I would need to be to tell a really good story, um, I, I just don't know if I would be able to, to do it justice. And I, that would be my big thing is if I'm doing something on a licensed property, I want to do the characters and the story justice for the fans because I'm a fan too. So I, I would want to have a good story, but to go back to this Transformers Galaxies was phenomenal. Now for the next story arc, they did change to a different uh, creative team. So I don't know what, how the next story is. I know the next issue was supposed to feature, I think cliff jumper in it. Haven't read it yet. I don't know uh, if it's good or not, but I do like the idea with this series of like spotlighting certain characters and having different creative teams each time. Although after reading the first four issues, I was like, I want this creative team to tell a whole bunch of Transformer stories. So uh, hopefully they that will happen at some point. Uh, then we have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 104. This is a title I need to get caught up on, and I don't know why I keep falling behind on this title because every time I read an issue, I absolutely love it. And then I read like two, maybe three more issues and I'm loving it. And then I put it down and I don't finish getting caught up on it. And I don't know why, because every time I read an issue, it is amazing. I absolutely love it. So, um, so yeah, I, I need to get caught up on that. Uh, then we have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Urban Legends, number 23, which is approaching the end of the run for the, um, uh, for this Urban Legend. So issue 23 is the last issue of the original run. Uh, and then I think there's supposed to be like, I can't remember how many they said they were going to do after that. Maybe seven more to bring it up to issue 30. I'm not 100% sure. But um, I do know that this is from the original image run, which is some of the craziest stuff. I've only read the first couple issues because I'm waiting till the whole run is done. And then I want to sit down and just like, binge read it uh, but I can tell you that from the first couple issues it is some of the craziest turtle stories I have ever read so uh, then we have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Color Classics Volume 3 this is collecting the original run but done in color uh, in trades then we have T Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Jenica number 2 so this focuses on the new female turtle Jenica uh, and I have not, I'm not even up to the point. I know the character Jenica and I knew that she became a turtle. I am not up to the point of her becoming the turtle yet. That's how far behind I am right now in TMNT. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm getting very close to that part, but I haven't reached that part yet. So then we got the Marvel art of the brothers Hildebrandt. Uh, I had a bunch of these guys, um, the Greg and Tim Hildebrandt's, um, uh, art when it came to the, I think it was a card series that they did back in the nineties. And I had a whole bunch of, uh, I had that entire series of cards and the artwork from that, as well as some of the other stuff that they've done for like covers of graphic novels and things like that is in this book. I thought it was a really cool, uh, very cool concept to put their artwork together. Uh, I didn't order this book. It's probably something that I will have on a wish list in the future for Christmas or something, but, but it's just beautiful painted art. Um, 
that would be awesome to have in your collection. Then we have Star Wars Adventures number 32. This is, again, a title where when I read it, I really enjoy it. I'll read, like, one or two issues of it, and I'm like, that was a lot of fun. It was, like, a nice palate cleanser in the Star Wars universe. has very much a feel of, like, a Rebels cartoon uh, in some sense. Maybe somewhere between Rebels and um, Resistance. So you got the Resistance cartoon that I feel is a bit more kiddie focused, even though it's, I think it's still very good. And then you got Rebels, which I feel is like a good all ages. Star Wars Adventures is kind of somewhere between those two. So I always enjoy it when I read it, but then I don't read it for a long time. So it is something I need to get caught up on. Uh, G.I. Joe number seven. This is the uh, Paul Aller, Chris Evanhouse uh, series. We were actually just talking about this tonight. Uh, because tonight they did a G.I. Joe, Robert Atkins, and Tom Feaster, uh, along with, uh, and names are escaping me right now, but a couple other people did, uh, where they watched the first episode of G.I. Joe or American Hero cartoon. And um, I don't know if I'll appear on any one of them. I know I was tagged initially when they were looking to start putting something together with a group of people seems like it's mostly going to be creators of G.I. Joe, which is great because it'll be fun to hear their insight and everything else. Um, so I don't know if they'll get someone like Paul to, to join in on, on that. I think that'd be fun. But uh, because of them doing that, uh, and I'm, I'll be posting the episodes that they record live uh, on the Star Joe's fan page. Uh, so you can just find Star Joe's fan page, hit like, and you'll see them when they, they are completed. So you can watch them and everything. Um, but because of that, we started talking about uh, Paul Eiler's run on uh, with just myself and some friends and everything else. And I've only read up to issue three so far. I didn't, as I mentioned on the show here, because uh, I reviewed it, didn't care for issue one because of some of the decisions that were made with it and everything else. And there's certain things that have been done uh, planning-wise that, that I didn't really care for some of the changes that were being made, but issue two and three, when I read them were, were very good. I actually enjoyed them so much more than the first issue. And I kind of started seeing where things were being planned out, you know, where things were kind of going. Um, so again, it, it's not even an issue of not enjoying it. It's that, uh, the reason I haven't read up to issue seven yet is just I'm behind on a lot of stuff and I need to get caught up and that would be an easy one for me to get caught up on. So I know I've set a few of the issues aside already so that I can start getting caught up to, uh, to where I need to be. Same thing with the real American hero, uh, issue 274. It's got Larry Hama, Netho uh, Diaz is drawing it. This is the snake hunt. Uh, it's issue number 274. Uh, Robert and Netho are kind of going back and forth a little bit with the art just because of when scripts come out and things like that. So, uh, I really, I started snake hunt. I just haven't gotten very far into it and I really love it. Obviously I love Robert's artwork and I've really been enjoying what Larry's been doing with, uh, the title so far, uh, or as of late. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it, I'm just behind on it right now. So, uh, then we have Ghostbusters year one, number three. I have the first issue of this. I uh, haven't read it yet. This is one because I think it's only a four-issue miniseries. Uh, I'm waiting until they're all together. Uh, but it's Eric Burnham and Dan Schoenig who are 
my favorite team doing Ghostbusters. Like, they've done most of the Ghostbusters comics for IDW, and there's a reason why. is because they're the best team to be doing it. Um, not to say when other people did Ghostbusters, they weren't good. I enjoyed various stories that were done by other teams. But when I see Ghostbusters being done as a main title for IDW, whether it's a miniseries or ongoing series, these are the two guys I immediately hope are working on it and th- and I think about immediately. So uh, then going into Dynamite, we have Red so- uh, Killing Red Sonya number one. I have mentioned this many times going through previous catalogs. Dynamite will not let Red Sonya die, uh, which is great. It's a cool character and everything else. But they're constantly launching new number ones uh, with different directions and different ideas and everything else. Um, and this one's no different. They're just, the, uh, they're like, don't miss out on this mini series that will affect, uh, the Sonya series for years to come. So they're doing this mini series. It's supposed to affect the main series, but the main series never seems to last very long. So I, I, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I'm sure we'll see another red Sonya number one in maybe six months or so. I don't know. Uh, then we, I wanted to mention this one just cause of the creator on it uh just beyond the uh it's called just be this is from uh, boom studios by the way just beyond the horror at happy landings and it's by rl stein so the creator of goosebumps uh is telling a horror story which is uh right on par for him with goosebumps the funny thing is and i don't know if i mentioned this before but uh people remember uh choose your own adventure books well rl stein didn't write I mean, he may have written some of the Choose Your Own Adventure books. I don't know. But he wrote a book that was like a Choose Your Own Adventure book. And that's how I first got introduced to him as a writer and didn't even know it at the time. I just knew I liked the story. It was much like when I was reading comics as a a young kid. Um, I just knew I liked certain characters and I knew that some stories were better than others and artwork and some some issues were better than others. But I never paid attention to the creators to know, like, oh, this is somebody who I would probably like their writing or this is somebody whose artwork I would like. I just went... Oh, I like Green Lantern. I'm going to pick up a Green Lantern issue. So with R.L. Stein, I got this book called Badlands of Hark. And it was a choose-your-own-adventure style story. And so I loved those books. The cover looked really awesome. So I picked it up, and I had a lot of fun because it was basically about this adventurer on this planet, Hark. And he, you know, he, he could die very easily. It's just picking the wrong, making the wrong decision and making the right decision wasn't always very obvious. Um, but I loved the hell out of it. And then there was a sequel called Invaders of Hark and I got that one and I really enjoyed that one. Wasn't, if I remember right, it wasn't as strong as the first one, which a lot of times that happens, but again, they were choose your own adventures. So saying that one was stronger than the other is kind of a weird thing. Um, but I remember really loving them. And then one day, maybe five years ago, six years ago, maybe longer, um, I got reminded of them and I looked them up and everything else. And here I noticed that they were written by R.L. Stein. Did not know that when I was a kid, had no idea. And obviously even then, if I was like, oh, R.L. Stein meant nothing to me because Goosebumps hadn't been around yet or anything like that. And, and not that I've read Goosebumps. Goosebumps was never, I was a generation before Goosebumps was a big thing. So, but I obviously know who R.L. Stein is and I know what he's known for and everything. Um, 
so I was like, holy crap, he wrote those books that I loved. So um, I actually been able to track them down and I have a copy of each one. Uh, they were not easy to find, at least good copies of them and everything else. Uh, and obviously it was some of his earliest work, so they weren't cheap either. They weren't expensive because they're paperback, little paperback things, but um, certainly more expensive than they were when I first got them as a kid. Because uh, they were probably like three, four dollar books or something like that, and I probably paid like twenty for them to have them now. But it was definitely a part of my childhood where I was like, I need to have these because it was just too awesome to not have. Um, and it's been one of those things too where I was like, man, if I could ever have the rights to maybe do a comic based on this, it'd be awesome because I would go through those choose your own adventure books and like pull the things out of like, here's this type of creature. Here's this type of enemy and stuff like that. Here's your main hero. Um, and I would love to create a world of the badlands of Hark. I would love to do like a mini series or something like that. Um, that would be fun, a fun one to do like some research on with the books. Cause it, all you have is the books. So you could really flesh it out. Um, what that world would be like and what your character, the main character would be like and everything. Um, I wonder if they've ever done a comic that was choose your own adventure comic. That would be interesting. Um, then we have once in future number seven now on this one. And they also have once in future volume one, which, uh, includes issues one through six. Um, with this one, I actually have issues one through six already. I've read issues one through four. I may have read issue five, but I, I know I've read issues one through four. So I'm only like a couple issues behind on it right now. Um, it's great. Uh, it really is a great story. Um, it made me a little nervous reading it because it's like this adventure. It's this guy who gets thrown into an adventure because of his grandmother. And, uh, it deals with Arthurian legend and stuff like that. And what made me nervous is because it's dealing with a world of mythology and this character has a grandmother who seems feeble, but she's actually like this hunter of this mythology characters. And in my story, and this, and I had this in my mind before I ever read this comic, my main character gets into what she is because she has a family lineage, um, stealth hammer does, uh, and her grandmother is someone she always looked up to. This one's a bit different because it's still a grandmother, but it's, um, the grandson had no idea that the grandmother did this stuff, uh, had no idea, uh, is reluctant to get into it where my character is like all about it. Um, she doesn't know a lot of things about her grandmother and doesn't know her grandmother was a hero, but did know that her grandmother was a good person that did a lot of good things around the world. Um, so it's a bit different. Mine's mine. I'm dealing with superpowers and things like that. Um, I'm dealing with a completely different world of mythology. I'm dealing with technology and so like, so like I said, it, the only similarity is I have a grand, I have a granddaughter finding out she has a lineage from that goes back to her grandmother. And even before that, um, and then this guy has a grandmother and a lineage family lineage. That's really it. And honestly, those are dime a dozen out there. <laughs> when you really think about it, family lineages that are out there to protect things. So, the more I thought about it, it was like the more I was like, oh, good. I don't think anyone's going to think I stole the idea from this comic because, again, my stuff I had in place well before this comic came out, um, and mine takes a very different direction when it comes to this type of stuff. But it is a very good comic. Kieran Gillen is killing it on the story with it. Uh, great dialogue. 
and Dan Mora. Absolutely love Dan Mora's art uh, on this. It's uh, it's got that cartoony but detailed artwork that I really love and is what I'm kind of going for with my comic. Mine's definitely more all ages cartoony detail, but I cannot recommend Once in Future enough. Then we have Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number four of five. Uh, I read the first issue of this and actually really, really liked it. I thought it was really well done. Um, I have issues two and three. I might have issue four also, but I definitely have issues two and three. Um, and I'm looking forward to reading more. But uh, like I said, I read the first issue and, and was very pleasantly surprised at how much I liked it. Uh, then we have Jim Henson's Storyteller Ghosts, number one uh, of four. I didn't get this one, even though uh, I've kind of stopped getting the Storyteller ones because uh, I've been burned a couple times with it, where I was just, I would read, there would be one issue out of four issues that I was like, okay, that one issue is good. And each issue is a different story. They're all, they all have the same theme, so there might be witches or giants or something like that. Um, so I would like the one story that I would read, but then I wouldn't like the rest of the issues. Um, and some of them would be really bad. Um, so, but with ghosts, I was like, eh, it's, it's ghost stories. I like ghost stories, but I still hold off, hold off on getting it because, um, it's just not being done in the way that, <clears throat> that storytellers have been done before. Like I miss the old man with his telling the story to his dog. Like that doesn't happen in these issues. Um, it, there's just an, a charm and an element to that, that I think this is missing. Uh, and this might be something that I get in trade, uh, once it's the four issues are done, but again, cause it's a the theme of ghosts and I, I kind of, I like the idea of ghost stories, but I just don't, I had to kind of stop getting the Jim Henson storyteller miniseries just because it just, they, they weren't fitting what I expected from that type of story. I feel like they put the Jim Henson storyteller onto a comic to help it sell, but they're not really following the theme of how those stories used to be told. Uh, then we have Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance, the quest for dual for the dual glaive hardcover. So this is collecting uh, the miniseries one through four. That is the Age of Resistance storyline that is based off of the Netflix series. So uh, then we have Jim Henson's Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance, number seven of twelve. So that's it's continuing. It's a twelve issue miniseries. They've collected the first four issues into a hardcover, which is what they've typically been doing. And now we also have issue number seven being solicited here. Then we have Jim Henson's Dark Crystal, Great Creation Myths, the Complete Collection Softcover. So I have all three volumes. It's at least, yeah, I believe it's three volumes um, in hardcover. So they, they did these in hardcover first. Uh, then they've done softcovers. And then they now they're doing a uh, collected for the first time in one oversized edition. The series reveals the definitive origins of the Skeksis, the Mystics, the Gelflings, and the Dark Crystal itself. So this is a phenomenal series. Uh, I love having the hardcovers that I have. The artwork is beautiful. The story is really good. If you are a Dark Crystal fan at all, you absolutely should have creation myths and in, in your collection. Uh, jumping ahead. To looking at um, Aftershock. Now, for a long time, I absolutely loved Aftershock comics. Uh, I eventually cut them out of 
um, getting them, not because I wasn't enjoying them. Absolutely love them and love the stuff they're producing. I just needed to cut stuff, and it was very easy to to just take a, an entire publisher and just say, okay, I'm not going to get any more comics from that publisher. Um, and again, it's not because they aren't good, and it's not because I wasn't enjoying them. I was enjoying them immensely. It's just again started finding myself falling behind on some of them and i was like you know what if i'm falling behind on these i should just stop reading getting them all together but that doesn't mean they're not putting out stuff that doesn't intrigue me like this one seems really good it's artemis and the assassin number one it says what happens when a time traveling assassin and a spy from 1944 try to kill each other for a price, a top-secret assassination organization will travel through time and interfere with watershed moments. Trained as the agency's top assassin, Maya is sent to kill uh, Virginia Hall, the deadliest spy of World War II. Charged with carrying important plans about the invasion of Normandy to the Allied troops, Virginia's death would have a cataclysmic effect on World War II as we know it. I just think it's an awesome concept. The artwork looks very, very good. Um, this is something that I, I'm, I have on my radar to, to get it when the trade comes out, because like I said, the artwork looked really good. It's something that I think that I would love reading, um, in a chunk and a trade is perfect for doing that. So that's why it, that one caught my eye. And then the other one that caught my eye, even though like the artwork looks good, except there's sometimes when some of the people are drawn looks a little wonky to me, but not a lot. Other times the people look amazing. The backgrounds look incredible. It's a story called Join the Future. And this says the future. Ultra modern megacities reward millions of their citizens with a completely funded life with every need met from food to housing and healthcare in order to compete in an economic power struggle in which population is key. But a few rural residents still clinging cling to their independence in what was in what last American small towns are left. When a nearby megacity pressures the people of a small town to join up or else, a young teenage girl named Clem will learn how far she'll go to defend her principles. So I think it's a cool like little guy in the old west meets mega city you know corporation type stuff again like something i mentioned earlier this isn't the example i was going to use but there's obviously a social issue being in this story but that's not the focus i mean it's, it is the focus of the story but this focus of the story is to tell it seems like it's to tell a good story now grant i could read this and be like oh my god this is so agenda driven by how things are worded and what's done but from what i'm seeing and what it looks like it just looks like it's the little guy against the big guy and that has been a story that's been told forever the fact that it's these mega cities trying to take over a small farm rural area has obviously implications in the real world but it just seems like it's being told in a cool story and like i said there's probably a message in there that you can totally read into and that's fine but it's not it it doesn't seem like from the outside that that's that all they want to do is deliver that type of message it just seems like they're trying to tell a good story that has that type of message in it then we have um 
from Carlton Books. We have Star Wars The Galactic Explorer's Guide, uh, which is just a fun all-ages type uh, book where it gives... Uh, it's a good thing to get to give to kids. It's like, uh, it's a fact packed, uh, book plus app. Uh, it's interactive guide to key planets of the star Wars galaxy. So it kind of gives you tips on here's this planet. Here's that planet. And, you know, gives you guide guides around the galaxy. It's, it's your, yeah, <laughs> it's your, here's guide to the galaxy style. Um, but it's, yeah, it's it's cute. It's not something that I'm looking to get just because I have so many books that already give me tons of information on the different plans. But like I said, if I had a kid, it's totally something I would get for them and, and hand it off to them. We have Star uh, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker Expanded Edition hardcover. Uh, so this has come out. I know a few people that have read it so far. I'm looking forward to reading it. Uh, just haven't had the chance to yet, but definitely interested because I've heard there's a lot more that's explained in the hardcover, which... In, in the book, I should say, not just hardcover book, but in the book, um, which is often the case with books. It's going to give you more more meat to, to digest and everything else. Uh, there's also Star Wars Queen Queen's Shadow softcover. Uh, so this focuses on Padme. It's, uh, I'm all for developing those prequel characters or any Star Wars character and kind of giving them their own spotlight. Um, then we have Star uh, Lego Star Wars character encyclopedia hardcover. It's a new edition. Um, I don't. I have one or two of these already. I don't get them every time they come out because I think they come out with a new one every year because there's so much stuff that comes out every year. So they're always expanding on it, and there's always a new minifig in there. Now the ones I do have, I think I got it like a Ollie's discount, where it was like I got them for like five bucks. Um, they're nice hardcovers, and the minifig itself to me is worth the $5, so that's kind of why I get it. I love Star Wars, and I love Lego, and I love Star Wars Lego, um, but it's not something that I need to get the encyclopedia every time a new edition comes out. I don't, I'm don't. i not a uh, collect-it-all type person when it comes to the Star Wars Lego stuff, um, so I don't need to get every single minifig that's in every single one of these books. Uh, but I definitely enjoy them. I, I enjoy the books. I love seeing, especially the, the historical ones where it's, where it's kind of like this. Um, I've seen the ones where it's like they show all the sets from previous years. And that's really cool to me to kind of see how they've evolved and changed the minifigs and changed the different sets and stuff like that. I think that's very cool. Uh, then we have Star Wars Extraordinary Droids hardcover. Uh, this Star Wars guide showcases a world of droids in close-up detail. Seems like a cool uh, book. Again, not necessarily something I'm looking to get just because I have quite a few books. Although this one does spotlight uh, some of the more recent uh, droid characters like Dio. Um, I'm more interested in getting the uh, visual guide uh, to Sky uh, Rise of Skywalker. I feel like I get a lot more information from stuff like that, even though those are just snippets as well. Um, I just feel like I, I do get more information from that as far as about that movie and as a whole and what different things we saw in the backgrounds and everything else, what all those things mean. So I don't see myself necessarily getting this extraordinary droids one. There was a time when I got every star Wars reference book and every star Wars book that came out, um, space and money and everything else have made me go, I don't need to get every single thing. I want to get the stories and every once in a while I'll get a reference book. Uh, if it's something kind of unique or something that I, sincerely like really need to have for my collection based on it having stuff that I would be missing out on so um then a comic that I almost got but 
uh, actually backed off a little bit because I wasn't sure what I was getting on the inside is a hexagon. Uh, it, the covers looked really cool, but the covers were done by somebody else than who was doing the interior. And with, especially with a brand new comic from an independent, I didn't, I wanted to kind of see what I was getting and I couldn't really find anything to show me what I was getting. Um, but the concept seemed really good and it's right up the alley for star Joe's. Uh, it's the 1980s and all 12 year old Don wants to do is play video games at the local arcade. Don's father, however, refuses to let him play egged on by his friends and trying to impress a girl. Don sneaks out to, uh, to join an all night gameathon, defying the odds and on his first quarter ever Don beats crucible a game long considered unbeatable in an instant his world is turned upside down when his victory triggers an alien invasion and sucks him into an intergalactic battle that has been raging for years a battle his father was desperately trying to protect him from sounds a lot like the last starfighter as far as a, a bit of a premise I uh, love that it takes place in the 1980s that's like I said that's really what got me interested in wanting to get this um, the standard size was also kind of interesting. It's a 6.6 uh, inch by 10.2 inches. So it's a bit smaller than your typical comic. Um, <clears throat> but not a lot, but it's, it's a little bit smaller. Um, but yeah, it just sounded like a cool concept and the artwork on the, on the cover looked really good. And then I saw that the cover artist is different than the interior artist. And I was like, you know what? I just don't, I, I probably could have looked up who the interior artist was to see if I would like his artwork also. Um, but I didn't. And like they had three different covers and all three covers were by different people. And none of them were your interior artists. And that, even though it's my fault for not looking up who the interior artist was to see if I would like his stuff to me, if you're not going to put your interior artist on any of your covers and you have three different covers, that kind of scares me a bit. So give you an idea with the stealth hammer, I'm going to have a variant cover that's done by Robert, uh, Robert Atkins, um, who's offered to do that for me. But my main cover is going to be by my artist who's doing the interior art. So, uh, this way you can tell from the cover, like what type of artwork you're getting. So, um, so yeah, as like I said, it just kind of threw me off. The premise, like I said, was awesome because I loved Last Starfighter and I thought that was a cool, cool concept. Uh, then also, let's see, from Red 5 Comics, uh, we have Dragon Whisperer, which the artwork on this looked very interesting. Uh, it looks like steampunk meets fantasy. Uh, it's in a world of clockwork and steam, cursed airship captain uh, Alexander Falk uh, endures his centuries-long quest for an end to his torment, a dragon. His ceaseless pursuit bears scarce reward. Uh, that is until Falk dis discovers the bridge between the world of man and the world of monsters. Her name is Rosalinda Everhart, and she is a dragon whisperer. So I like the idea of steampunk meets this fantasy world of dragons. Uh, the artwork on the cover looked really good, and the artwork that's on the cover is the artwork you get on the inside. So it seemed like a really cool... Um, really cool concept there. So then let's see here. I'm going to jump ahead to a few things here. Uh, we have Blade Runner 2019. Uh, there was a free comic book day edition 
that was going to come out for that, and it was going to launch this uh, this series of 2019, which uh, I thought was or give you some insight to 2019, uh, which is already an ongoing. It's on issue eight is being solicited here. Uh, then we have Robotech Remix number five, which is number f- one of a four-part new story arc. Uh, I still need to read issues one through four. Uh, I want to do that and then get Brendan Fletcher on the show. I talked with him at Baltimore Con. He's happy to come on the show. Uh, but I want to make sure I get caught up on my Robotech before having him on uh, so that I know what the hell I'm talking about. Uh, let's see here then. Jumping ahead into some uh, some manga stuff. We have from Udin Entertainment, Mega Man Robot Master Field Guide Updated Edition hardcover. So I have uh, a paperback edition of the Robot master field guide um this isn't something i would be getting just because again i don't necessarily need an updated version i like the idea of it being a hardcover uh because mine is a paperback but uh probably not something i'm gonna get right now but if you like Mega Man, i and you just like the characters and reading more about them and everything else the personality they have and stuff like that uh all the enemy bosses this is something I would highly recommend getting. I really uh, enjoy the edition that I have, uh, and it's something I refer to quite often. Then we have Star Wars The Legend of Luke Skywalker, the manga. So this is a very different take on Star Wars uh, as far as just art style and stuff. So I did get this, and I am interested in reading it. Uh, it does, If I remember right when I was flipping through it, it does read like a normal uh, Western comic would. So you you would read left to right. Uh, Unlike a manga, which you normally would read right to left. So you start what would feel like the back to us and read all the way to the front. Um, This one's actually set up what we would consider normal. Um, So I found that interesting that they did that, probably because they knew there'd be a lot of people that normally don't read manga picking this one up. So... Uh, then flipping over to the toy section here, uh, I did notice uh, just a couple things I wanted to mention here. There was Transformers reaction figures, uh, which I'm not a big fan of the reaction figures in general, but the Transformers one, I love the uh, box art, the package art that they did uh, for this, for these. Uh, they would be worth getting just for that. Uh, I'm just not a big fan of the, the stiff, straight figures look uh, as a kid i probably would have loved these things and been all over them and that's the idea is that they they're kind of reminiscent of that earlier time period of the 80s and how figures looked back then but for me the figures just aren't all that exciting but the packaging art i think looks fantastic reminds me a lot of the cartoon there um then one thing i wanted to mention cracked me up was funko has a has been doing these uh, figures with a scene that they're known for. So you have Yoda came with his Dagobah hut. You have uh, Batman, Super Friends Batman coming with the Hall of Justice, which I have both of those things. They're awesome because, especially because Hall of Justice, there's not many things that are done with the Hall of Justice, and Super Friends was a huge part of my childhood. So uh, absolutely wanted to have that Hall of Justice. I think that's pretty awesome. Uh, and plus, that's actually my Lego project that I want to do is I want to build a Lego Hall of Justice. Uh, so it's great for a reference for me. Uh, but what they did here is they have uh, Batman 80th Anniversary Wayne Manor with Alfred Vinyl Figure, which in and of itself is a cool idea. Like the Alfred Pop Vinyl looks 
good. Uh, the mansion looks good. However, if I took those things out of the package and set them on a table somewhere, you would have no idea what the hell they were from. You would not, there's nothing on either figure that would tell you that they are Batman related at all. The Alfred figure looks like a butler, which he should. He should look like a butler, but he just looks like a butler. Uh, he, or just a guy dressed in a fancy suit. Uh, the mansion looks like a mansion. There's nothing about it that screams this is Bruce Wayne's mansion. So this would be one that if I was to get it, which I'm not planning to, but if I was to get it, I would completely leave it in the box. Because it's the only way you're going to know that it's Alfred with Wayne Mansion. Like, the, there's just nothing, nothing pointing out that this is anything different. Now, one thing that would have been cool as hell to do would have been to have Wayne Mansion and then put underneath it a Batcave or have another set that came with Batman in a Batcave and that the mansion could actually attach to the top of that. That would be sweet. Um, I don't know how you make Alfred look like Alfred so that you know it's Batman related. Maybe having him hold something uh, that indicates he's he's Batman's butler. Maybe having him hold a batarang or having him hold the cowl as if he's going to get it cleaned or I don't know. Just it I just felt like there needed to be something that designates that this is Alfred. Um, and I don't feel like they did a, a good job of that at all. Um, then I saw here they're doing Star Wars artifacts statues for Mandalorian, uh, the IG-11, and then Kylo Ren. Uh, they're doing a, a ones of Dio and BB-8. They're doing a Rey one from Rise of Skywalker. I love the artifact statues, but they have gotten way too pricey. Um, they are plastic. They're awesome plastic. They're awesome plastic molding, but it's essentially plastic. Um, it, I mean, it's, you can call it resin, whatever you want to call them, but it's plastic. It's a form of plastic. Um, and the detail on them is awesome. I have a few artifact statues, but I got them back when you could get one of them for like 40, 50 bucks. These ones right now are over a hundred dollars or close to $100. Like the Mandalorian one's $99.99. That's $100. All the rest of them are over $100. As much as I would like to have a couple of these, not paying that. The Ray one alone is $180. It's 11 inches tall, so it's a really tall one compared to some of their other figures. But uh, no, not $180 worth. I You can get a statue statue, like a ceramic statue for maybe another $50, depending on what you want. So uh, then I saw G.I. Joe, speaking of expensive, uh, G.I. Joe Lady J. Bushido statue. So I think the Bushido statues look kind of cool. They're very chibi, cheesecake type stuff, but I think they're they're neat. But uh, they, did, they are doing a Lady J one, so if you're into that type of stuff, definitely have that there for you. Um... <clears throat> So I am going to actually call it a night uh, with that one. I only got through one more previous catalog, so I apologize for that. Uh, but when I return, I will cover uh, the previews catalog for December uh, for both previews, DC, and Marvel. And then I'll get this episode out to you guys. So uh, should be able to cover 
all three of those next time you guys hear from me. Uh, so I should be able to fly. There's not as much in there because I covered a lot more in these last several couple hours here with you. Um, so this will be a nice long episode when it comes out. should be out a little bit later this week because I should be able to finish recording this episode uh, a little bit later this week. And then I can just splice the three parts together and get it out to you guys. And that's really how these Patreon episodes work a lot of times. So but it'll be a nice big chunk of an episode talking about a whole bunch of different comics and properties and whatever random thoughts pop in my head. So uh, until then, you guys will hear me in just a few more seconds, uh, but for me, it'll probably be another day or two. So talk to you then. Okay. uh, Welcome back guys. Uh, It is now for me, it is now Friday, uh, April 3rd. uh, And this should be the last bit of this episode uh, before I get it out to you guys. I'm going to work on it over the weekend, get it out to uh, Patreon members first, give it a couple days, and then uh, get it out to everyone else. Uh, almost, It's almost like dealing with the coronavirus where you put everything uh, to the side for a couple days, let it die off, and... <laughs> And then it goes out to, and it gets to go out to everyone else uh, safely. So, um, no, but uh, I hope everyone's doing well. I hope everyone's staying safe. Uh, my wife and I have approached things very methodically about you know things coming into the house, um, and haven't been actually outside of the house for at least two weeks, maybe two and a half weeks at this point. Yeah, about two and a half weeks now. Um, I mean, I've been outside of the house as far as like, I've gone in my backyard, I uh, went and got the mail, things like that, but I haven't actually, and, and I did take the dog for a couple walks and things like that, but haven't actually gone to like in my car to go drive someplace, um, for any type of errands or anything like that. So it's definitely an unusual world. Um, unfortunately right now, as I mentioned earlier, I've got allergies acting up in, in just like drainage and stuff, which is causing me to cough. Uh, my wife actually asked me tonight, uh, do you have any other symptoms? Because she goes, you're coughing more. And it's like, I had also just eaten some ice cream. So, uh, you know, that made me cough a bit more than I normally would. So, um, thankfully no other symptoms. Uh, I, you know, I let her know. I was like, I would never, especially in this environment right now, I would not pretend like I had, you know, that I didn't have other symptoms if I actually did because, uh, her safety is absolutely paramount for me. So, um, and with us staying in the house, uh, I only have to worry about her safety. Uh, dog cannot catch, uh, COVID as far as we know right now, the, it's not transmissible to animals. Um, so it's, she's really the only one I have to be concerned about as far as me giving any type of, uh, illness to her. Um, so thankfully that's the only thing, uh, we have to worry about. Uh, my heart goes out to those of you that have kids and other family members and everything else that you're trying to juggle and deal with and everything. And again, hopefully this episode gives you a little bit of a break from that. So, uh, so without further ado, I do want, it's about 20 after 10 o'clock, 20 after 10 o'clock. It's about 20 after 10 at night. And I, uh, want to be able to get through the rest of these catalogs here of the second one. So these are all previous catalogs that were from December for things that were uh, going to be coming out in uh, in March. So again, all stuff that uh, essentially already hit 
uh, comic shops and, and everything. I know there are some things sometimes that get that come out later uh, that you order ahead of time, but uh, most of the stuff has already come out. So that's really what this episode was to do, was to get caught up on the things that were that had already come out. Um, but still things that kind of caught my eye. So I'm starting with the main previews catalog. Um, we're just going to kind of fly through some of this, uh, but I uh, still have some, hopefully some good commentary. Uh, Savage Dragon, number 250. I have never read a full Savage Dragon comic book. Uh, I know my buddy Travis, Uncle Teabag, we've had on the show before, probably would uh, lose his mind over that. But uh, I know I've read, like, free comic book day issues, and I don't even know if I finished those, because sometimes that would happen uh, where I would start reading one and have to put it down, never come back to it. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know a lot about Savage Dragon. Uh, I don't know if they've ever, I assume in 250 issues they've developed an origin for them and, and everything else, but... Um, you know, I know it's obviously 250 issues, long, long running comic series. Um, but yeah, I've, I've never actually read it. Uh, and I don't know why. I don't know because I'm not the biggest Hulk fan. Like, I like the Hulk. I can't imagine the Marvel Universe without the Hulk. Um, but there's very few Hulk comics that I read and thoroughly enjoy. Uh, Immortal Hulk is one that's out recently that I've read the first trade of that and really liked that. And I love Planet Hulk. Uh, those are probably the two Hulk things that I read where I was like, wow, this is really good. And I'm glad, you know, to read the Hulk. Um, I've read a lot of other Hulk issues and they've all been fine. They've all been good. Like it, but it's just, it's not a character I, I gravitate towards. I, I think I've mentioned many times, like I'm not the big bulky, beefy character, type person. I like the streamlined characters, I like the fast characters, I like the smart characters. Um, but the big muscle-bound characters just, they don't do a lot for me. They just There's just not any big appeal for that uh, with me. So, and that's kind of maybe why Savage Dragon never appealed to me. He's just he's a big muscle-bound green guy. Um, I know there's more to him than that. I'm not trying to downplay him, but uh, I think that might play into why I've just never really had any desire to, to read the character. So, um, Then we have, uh, and these are all from Image, uh, by the way. Uh, it's the After Realm Quarterly, number one. Uh, I did pick up this issue because I liked the cover art, but the interior art, for some reason, is just its very lacking for me. I'm hoping that the story will be appealing for me, but um, I liked, the, like I said, I liked the cover art design, um, and it's interesting because it's written and drawn, including the cover, by the same person, so it's, um, but for some reason, the there's times, too, where the cover art can be very stylistic, but it's not necessarily what I want to see inside the issue, and I think that's maybe what played into this. Um, the art just also looks a bit different for me. Uh, from the cover to the interior issue, even though it's the same artist. So, um, so like I said, I picked up this issue just kind of on a whim. Uh, I'm hoping I'll like the story. I definitely know I don't like the interior artwork, but um, again, art's subjective. So, then we have uh, Battle Pug Volume One: War on Christmas uh, trade paperback. This collects issues one through five of Battle Pug. Uh, the ongoing series by Mike Norton. I did hear that I believe Battle Pug has been canceled. I don't know how many issues it got up to before it got canceled. Uh, 
but uh, it's a shame because it, Battle Pug's an interesting, uh, just a fun type of story. Uh, I have the first three or four hardcover trades of it, uh, which are basically graphic novels because they, they weren't issues or anything like that. Um, and and, I, and Mike Norton's an awesome artist, and I really liked uh, what he did with Battle Pug, but... Uh, seems like it was meant is short lived, but I'm glad it got made. So uh, then we have Predator Hunters three number one of four. So this is the third volume of Predator Hunters. Um, love the Predator characters. I've read a lot of the comics of Predator. Uh, I really liked the artwork I was seeing, at least just on the one page right here. Um, it just it it looked cool. Uh, not I haven't read volumes one or two, so I'm someone that definitely I would want to read volumes one and two before reading three, even if they had nothing to do with each other. It would allow me to, if they had nothing to do with each other, it definitely would allow me to read the third volume first without feeling like I have to read the other two. But usually, especially in comics, if you're doing a one, two, and a three, as far as volumes, they're usually sequential for a reason. Um, so... Then we have uh, Hidden in Dark Horse, uh, which I don't mention very often anymore. Uh, just there isn't a lot that jumps out with Dark Horse for me. But uh, we have Hidden Society, number one of four. Uh, and this is by Raphael Scavone and uh, Raphael Albuquerque. And uh, it's a new series from Raphael Albuquerque and uh, Raphael uh, Scavone, the team behind Neil Gaiman's A Study in Emerald. Uh, hidden from ordinary eyes, there is a world alongside our own full of deities, demons, and danger. Where magic wins out over science and dark secrets lie in wait. Uh, so there's more that they go into here with like bounty hunters and, and magicians and things like that. Just sounded like a really cool concept, uh, really something really fun. This is something that I did not order, but it's something that I would probably pick up in a trade because uh, it's a four-issue miniseries, so pretty perfect for a, a trade to collect and just be like, kind of sit, sit down and read all in one sitting, and this way I have a beginning and an end to the story. Uh, the art is really good. I mean, it should be, uh, but uh, with Raphael Albuquerque working on it, so uh, yeah, it, it's something that is definitely something I have to keep my eyes open for. There's a a a character floating there. Could be a demon because he's it, it's like a goat looking character with a uh, trident tail. But he, he also is dressed like a genie almost. He's smoking a cigar and he's got little wings and it's just an interesting design. I really like that design. Um, and it just like I really I'm really attracted to the different characters on the cover here. So that's what kind of appeals to me is just the, the what I'm seeing on the cover. And then they show an interior page, which the art looks fantastic on that. So and like I said, the plot sounds really interesting. So it's definitely something that I would want to uh, check out at some point. Then let's see. Also from Dark Horse, Aliens vs. Predator, 30th Anniversary, the original comic series hardcover. So it looks like they're collecting the Alien vs. Uh, Predator past stories, uh, which is really really cool. And they're putting them in a nice hardcover edition. So that 
is uh, actually pretty awesome that they're doing that. Uh, you know, you guys know I'm a sucker for hardcovers. So, um, then we have in IDW uh, TMNT Jenica number one of three. So Jenica again, the turtle um, that was created is the newest turtle that's been created, and uh, I have not gotten up to the point of reading her creation, but I know the character that turns into her, and uh, this is her miniseries. Uh, so I think that's pretty cool. I do have this first issue. I haven't read it yet just because I'm not up to that point in my reading when it comes to Turtles. Uh, we also have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 103, Urban Legends number 22, and then Cobra Kai, the Karate Kid Saga continues No Mercy Director's Cut. So if you, they've been doing a, a mini-series, which is uh, called Johnny's Story, and uh, it it's based on the hit uh, YouTube original series Cobra Kai, which I have not watched, but I've heard it's it's a lot of fun to watch. So uh, I did get this mini series. I have not read it yet, uh, but this is the director's cut, which means you probably get to see the script, you get to see some of the concept art behind it, you get to hear some of the things that are going on, some of the sketches and, and everything else. Uh, so and you can see it says it's like some things like annotations from the creators and stuff. So director's cuts are always pretty fun. Uh, I didn't get this particular one, but. Uh, I have had director's cuts of other comics, and they're, they're a good time. They're a good read. Uh, Transformers number 18, Transformers Galaxies number 6, and then uh, Transformers Valentine's Day special. So I do have this issue. Uh, it's just a weird thing for me because I realize that the Transformers are sentient beings and stuff, but I just... With Transformers, for me personally, I don't need them to have relationships as far as romantic relationships. Um, so doing a Valentine's Day special, like I hope the story is good. I have not read it yet, but uh, it wasn't something that actually appealed to me. I got it because it's Transformers, and I'm interested in seeing what they do with it. But like you said, just for me, like I think it's great to have male and female Transformers and everything else. Um, but I just, I don't need the romantic relationships in Transformers. So it, it, maybe other people are saying, like, well, why not? Like, other characters and other types of genres, whether it's G.I. Joe or Star Wars, there's romantic relationships there. I get it that, the, you know, maybe that appeals to some people. It's, but for me, it's robots, and I know they're sentient robots, they're living beings, but it just it's just not something that I really need in Transformers, so um, that's, again, my preference. Um, then we have Transformers IDW Collection Phase 2, Volume 11, uh, so this is getting up near the the end um, of, well, actually, it looks like it's at the end of uh, the Transformers series that was going at the time that went up to issue 50, more than meets the eye, it's up to issue 55, so it's issues 50 through 55. And then uh, it has the short story Silent Night and the one-shot Redemption. So there's still a lot of Transformers for them to collect in these hardcovers. I love these hardcovers. They are amazing. I have every single one of them. Uh, they are just, I mean, money value-wise, they are worth it. Uh, they they don't really cost a lot, especially if you get them through, like, DCB service or, or in-stock trades or Amazon or something like that. You can usually get them for, like, 30 some dollars um they're super nice hardcovers they collect it in the reading order that you want to be reading these stories in 
Um, and yeah, they're just they're great, but man, there's still a lot. You know, this is phase two. Phase one, I think, was eight or nine volumes of hardcovers. Phase two, now we're up to volume eleven, and we're still not where we need to be. Unless they're going to do a phase three to wrap it all up, where it's which you could do because then you can get into uh, Optimus Prime series, the Transformer series that was going. Like there was a few different series that went on after these ones ended and then those all led into the Unicron miniseries which ended the whole thing all together I don't know uh, it'll be interesting to kind of see what they do uh, but this is uh, kind of collecting the, the rest of that uh, really the phase two like I said you can kind of look at it as being phase three being another one um, then we have G.I. Joe number six uh, the Paul Aller run uh, G.I. Joe or American Hero number 273, which uh, looks like this is the um, John Royal cover uh, instead of cover they have here, which has Tunnel Rat and Beachhead, which I think is that's pretty awesome. Uh, we have Ghostbusters Year One number two of four, and talked about that earlier. We have Star Wars Adventures number 31, which looks like it focuses on Ray. Uh, and then we have Star Wars Adventures Return to Vader's Castle. This is uh, done in the Adventures style, uh, but it's it, this is a miniseries that was done at Halloween time. They did uh, Vader's Castle last year, uh, well, two years ago, and then they did it this past year in uh, October, this Return to Vader's Castle. And, and they're interesting stories because they're a little bit darker takes, um, a little bit darker stories. They do typically focus on uh, villains, especially this one, this miniseries. So they're just a good read. Um, and the first one really just had, you know, a char- characters having to go to end up going to Vader's castle because they crash landed. And on the way there, they start telling stories. And then you would see those stories play out. Um, so the same thing with this one is that. Uh, there's stuff that happens that causes characters to tell stories. So um, I really enjoyed the first one and the second one. So it might be an annual thing that they'll they'll be doing. So uh, then we have uh, Marvel Action Avengers number one. So this is an all ages comic. Uh, I've talked about some of these before in the past. Uh, you have Marvel Action Spider Man uh, number two here, and Marvel Action Captain Marvel number five. Um, I've gotten the Spider-Man ones, the Avengers ones, the Black Panther ones, uh, and then I've gotten a lot of the one-shots, the Captain Marvel ones. I've gotten most of them. I think I may have missed an issue somewhere. Um, but I enjoy them. They're they're all ages. Some of them are a bit kiddier than others. This Avengers one, in the past when I've read it, has definitely been more more geared towards younger kids. Uh, so if you're looking for something for a kid, maybe that's six, seven, eight, uh, maybe even nine or 10, uh, the Marvel action Avengers would be really good for them. If you're talking a kid that's maybe that a comic that's truly all ages. So you could do with six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Um, you could give the Marvel action Spider-Man cause that's actually the ones that I've read have been very all ages. I enjoyed the heck out of them. In fact, I like them a lot of times more than what I'm even reading in the main Spider-Man titles. So, um, and then Captain Marvel, if you have someone that really loves the character, um, especially a little kid, 
I would definitely get that for them, but it hasn't been anything that's thoroughly impressed me so far. Um, the Black Panther one is very good. It's somewhere in between Spider-Man and the Avengers, so it's it's geared a bit towards more towards kids, but not as not as much as the Avengers one is. So um, then we have Death of uh, Death to the Army of Darkness number one. So again, it's one of those things where they're uh, dynamite like they do with a bunch of their other titles. They're just always doing new number ones for Army of Darkness. They just want it to catch on. Um, One thing I wanted to mention also from Dynamite is James Bond, the complete Warren Ellis hardcover omnibus. So Warren Ellis has been doing a lot of James Bond comics. And if that's uh, something of interest to you, uh, which the ones I've read, I didn't read all of them, but I read one of them, one of the miniseries, uh, and it was very good. If this is perfect to to get it all in one one place is is this omnibus so uh then we have alienated number one of six uh this is by simon spurrier uh and then i love the art from chris wild goose um also love the name wild goose it just sounds like it's a pilot code name uh but it's uh, it's a sci-fi thriller type thing. Like they say, if you like paper girls or something is killing the children, that this is something to, to check out. Um, the artwork's what caught my attention. Uh, I really liked the artwork. Um, so it just seemed like it'd be interesting. It says, uh, three teenagers, each an outcast in their own way, stumble upon an unearthly entity as, as it's uh, born as they bond over the shared secret and the creature's incredible abilities. It becomes clear that the teenagers to the teenagers, that their cute little pet is a super predator in the making and it's in need of prey guided by the best in, of best intentions. At first, the teens decisions soon become corrupted by adolescent desires, small town jealousies and internal rivalries, sending them into a catastrophic spiral of their own making. So, it's a concept that's been done before. Uh, you know, you get an alien, alien, come, you get an alien, you know, as you do, um, you get an alien, uh, kids take it in, find out it's actually pretty deadly. Um, and they try to teach it to, that you don't need to be that way. So, um, I've never gotten tired of those types of stories when they're done well. So, uh, then we have, uh, I had mentioned before once in future, is an ongoing and that I'm really enjoying uh, volume one soft cover was actually collected. Uh, then we have teen, uh, mighty Morphin power Rangers, teenage mutant Ninja turtles, number three of five. I had mentioned that earlier, uh, folklords number five, uh, four of five. I've been reading this. I read only the first two issues so far. Uh, but I've really enjoyed what I've read so far. Um, I think I have issues three and four issue four here is, is solicited. So, um, but it's, it's really good. The artwork might not be for everyone. It's it's a little bit more, um, it's a bit more basic type artwork. Like it's uh, it, it's similar to some things I saw earlier in this previews, but it just appealed to me a bit more in this story, uh, especially because it's kind of like this folktale, uh, folklore type world, and uh, who the folklords are. I have a pretty good guess. Uh, it's basically everyone in this town is given a quest. Uh, you have to choose what your quest is going to be. And it's like your, it's your passage into adulthood. And in this case, the one 
character tells someone else, one of his friends, that his quest is he wants to find the folklords. And so his friend actually announces that that's his quest. And the town loses its mind and goes nuts and wants to arrest them and, and everything else because they don't want anyone looking for the folklords. So the original kid clears him, get, gets him out of uh, the captivity he's in, and they go on the adventure together. Um, the kid, the main kid has, uh, all these little contraptions and people are thinking it's magic and what is it and all this type of stuff. And then, uh, but it, you can tell it's just like a lighter and things like stuff from our world. So my guess is the folklords are the writers of folk tales and things like that. So, uh, so I, I think they make that pretty obvious. I don't think I, I'm doing any amazing like revelation i think you kind of pick up on that in the first issue but the execution is done very well as far as uh these characters you really do get invested in the characters so um then we have jumping ahead we have jim henson's labyrinth coronation volume one soft cover so if you didn't want to get the hard covers that they did before the soft covers available there um then we have wanted to mention uh cosmo the mighty martian number four of five only because cover a for it looks like uh castlevania 2 uh simon's quest like it's done in that exact style looks like the box art and everything uh so i just thought that that was really cool so that's why i mentioned that one um then we have uh from cinefx uh number 169 looks like they're focusing on the rise of skywalker and uh how it tied into the whole star Wars galaxy. Um, then we have, if you're a fan also of stranger things, uh, there's a stranger things book from Delray stranger things, darkness on the edge of town. So that is out there as well. Uh, then we have for more for the kid audience. We have uh, star Wars R2D2 is lost uh, hardcover. It's like, oh, poor little R2D2. He's lost. So it looks like he's lost in the forest because there's also Ewoks in the background of the cover. So then we have, let's see. Oh, uh, also for kids and maybe for adults too. Uh, there's uh, the She-Ra book one, The Legend of the Fire Princess graphic novel. So it's an original story. Uh, there is a soft cover and a hard cover for this. Um, and it's based on the Netflix series. So it's taking place in that world. So if you enjoy the Netflix series, then uh, that's something worth checking out. Uh, there's also Onward Little Golden Book uh, for kids. And I actually just watched that tonight. Uh, it became available on Disney Plus this evening. And so my wife and I sat there and, and watched it. And I absolutely loved the movie. Um, it takes place in this fantasy world. It's got a lot of heart, as most Pixar movies do. Um, it was just a really good story and it's definitely something I, I would watch again and again. So, uh, I would highly recommend that. Uh, then we have, uh, let's see here what I was marking on this page. It looks like, uh, from printers row, we have Disney animated classics, Aladdin hardcover and Disney's animated classics, the Lion King hardcover. So it looks like these are, uh, illustrated versions, uh, with a variety of paintings and sketches and, and concept art uh, for these two movies. And Lion King is the movie for that is my wife and my, my movie. We have a lot of things Lion King in our house. That's, a, that's the movie that we kind of bond over. Uh, we actually 
danced to Can You Feel Love Tonight at our wedding. We had a Simba ice sculpture at our wedding. Um, we have a, a little Simba and Nala animation cell that hangs over our mantle of our fireplace. I got her as a wedding gift, an original uh, Lion King movie poster. She got it framed uh, for me as her wedding gift to me, and that hangs in our house. Like As soon as you walk in the door, right first thing, like as you, like if you're looking straight on when you walk in the door to our house, there's the poster. It's uh, You can't miss it. We had uh, Simba and Nala uh, music box or music statue type thing that was our cake topper at our wedding. Um, that sits in our bedroom now. We have uh, Simba, just can't wait to be king, animation cell uh, that hangs in our bedroom. Uh, we have a few different statues. We have a postcard that was signed by, uh, I believe it was signed by Roy Disney or maybe not Roy Disney. Uh, I'd have to look to see who it was, but one of the heads of, of Disney at the time, uh, which has all of the Lion King cast on it and everything else that was signed to us. Um, so like I said, Lion, and there's many other examples of Lion King in our house, uh, that I could refer to, but Lion King is a big thing for the, the two of us. And I absolutely love the movie. I uh, really like the live action one, even though I know a lot of people couldn't stand it. There's a lot of critic hate for it and everything else, but I actually thought it was really good. But as far as personal favorites, like one that's just my kind of like my favorite of the Disney animated movies for me, it's Aladdin uh, for my wife. It would be the little mermaid. So uh, Aladdin, I absolutely love Robin Williams. Uh, love the story of Aladdin. Um, there was just so much in that that I love. So both of these being out there from Printer's Row was uh, very, very tempting uh, to want to get those. But um, And then we have Robotech uh, Remix Volume 1. So it collects the first several issues of the remix. So that was uh, solicited. And then, uh, let's see here. Jumping ahead. Oh, and then in from Viz Media... Transformers the manga. It's the classic Transformers manga now available in English for the first time. I never even knew this existed. I, I'm sure there's Transformers fans listening to this that are like, what, you know, how did you not know? And stuff like that. It was just, I never, I mean, I know there was manga done of a lot of things. I just never realized that this was done. So it's a, a collection of comics originally published in TV magazine in Japan as a companion to the iconic animated series. Never before been published in English. This is the, uh, sure to appeal to passionate fans of Transformers as well as fans of the classic manga art and storytelling. So, um, and it's done in the traditional style. So you do start from the right to the left and, uh, how we would see things is like from the back to the, to the front, uh, even though that's not how they see it, uh, understandably. Um, but yeah, I was like, I was like, oh my god, this is awesome! Like, I can read all new types of Transformer stories. So, uh, yeah, had no idea that this existed. But and it's volume one, so hopefully that means there's other volumes uh, coming out as well. Uh, it's in hardcover, so that's awesome too. Uh, so you can really preserve it. Um, then going into the toys a bit, uh, there was a Mandalorian bust. Uh, which, you know, if you have some spare money you want to throw out there, uh, it costs about 150 bucks. Uh, it's a 
one half scale bus. So it's, it's just basically half the size of what an actual human bust would be. Uh, so it's pretty big size. Uh, so I wanted to mention that out there. Uh, then they also have Castlevania action figures series two. Uh, so this ha- focuses on Dracula and a couple of his vampire lieutenants. Uh, I am in the middle of watching season two right now. I watched all of season one when it came out and loved it. And then two or three episodes into season two, I stopped watching it. Not because I wasn't liking it. It's just, it's one of those things like I start watching something else and I'm like completely forget about it. And then also season three came out. I was like, Oh my God, I never finished season two. So I have gone back so I can start watching season, uh, finish watching season two and then I can start watching season three. So, um, then they also have just wanted to mention, uh, they have like the decades, uh, figures from Eagle Moss. I had gotten the, um, Wonder Woman one that was the 1980s Wonder Woman. There's a 1980s Batman here, which is exactly the Batman I grew up with, where he's got the lighter blue, uh, cowl and cape and, uh, shorts and boots. And he's got the gray, uh, bodysuit and everything. So, um, that's the Batman that I grew up with. Uh, then we also have, uh, could not afford these. But we also have uh, Ghostbusters. It's the real Ghostbusters uh, polystone statues. They're 10-inch statues. And uh, they're $150 each. So obviously, like I said, cannot afford that. And they have all four of them listed at the same time. Uh, So uh, if you're a huge, huge fan of the cartoon, which I am, and just have the money to burn, you can get all four of these statues for about (laughs) $600-some dollars. Uh, then they also have uh, Marvel Legends uh, Stanley six-inch action figure. I thought that was awesome. It's uh, a Marvel Legends figure of Stanley, and he's holding Captain America's shield, which and it has his name scribed on the front of it. Uh, then we also have uh, here a Star Wars Black Series Incinerator Trooper electronic replica helmet. I got one of these replica helmets from my buddy Chris uh, at work. He got it for me as like a duo uh, birthday Christmas gift, and uh, it's Luke Skywalker's helmet. It's awesome. Uh, one of the things I'm doing with redesigning my room is I'm going to have those Detoff glass cases, uh, uh, shelving units, and that Luke Skywalker helmet is going to sit right on top of uh, one of those. So looking forward to that. Uh, then there's also for really high end toy collectors, there's the TMNT ultimate waves. Uh, this is ultimate wave one, which has Baxter Stockman action figure and foot soldier action figure. And I mentioned like higher end because each one of these figures is about $45 each. So, um, typically a six inch figure, you're going to be paying about, um, $20 roughly. Uh, these are from super seven. Uh, I love the Baxter Stockman. It looks awesome. And he comes with a little mouser, uh, comes with multiple hands, uh, like a fly swatter and a little ray gun and stuff like that. So I think it, it's awesome, but it's also very expensive. So, uh, then I wanted to mention these mini Epic figures. They have a whole bunch of them, uh, that were done for various things. But the one I wanted to mention specifically is the Lord of the Rings ones. I have several of these uh, figures. Uh, I basically went for the main heroes. And so I have like Aragorn and Bilbo. Um, I still 
am waiting on Gimli and Frodo, but I have all I have all the rest of the main heroes. The only villains I thought about getting were Saruman and uh, one of the um, witch uh, the the Witch King, uh, but I decided it was. And I didn't get Go- Gollum. I just didn't like how Gollum looked in this style. But all the rest of them, I thought it was this fun, like, cartoony-looking style that had a little bit of the look of the movies to them as well. Um, but I just thought it was re- they were really well done. And, I really, and seeing them in person, I think they're even better in person. So uh, then we have... Uh, Devastator, a Transformers model kit. So if you're someone that likes doing models, there's a $90 kit for Devastator. Um, let's see if it says it's seven inches tall. So it's actually not a very tall figure uh, when it's done. But if you're someone that likes model kits, hey, have at it. Then I found this to be a very interesting keychain. Not one that I would want in my pocket because it just looks like it's cumbersome. But they do have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mirage Comics Issue 1, all four Turtles keychain. It's $12.50, uh, but it's black and white coloring. It's uh, it, it's the original Turtles look. I uh, just thought it was a very cool look. But like I said, because it's all four Turtles, it looks like it'd be kind of cumbersome. But um, Then uh, if you've ever seen the Tiki uh, mugs that are becoming like very popular for doing all different types of characters and everything else. They do have a Ghostbusters Stay Puffed Tiki mug, um, which I thought was interesting. Um, and then there's a keychain, uh, spinning meme keychain for He-Man, which is the uh, him with the rainbow background and his head tilted back, um, which I thought was funny. So, and then also from the Tiki mug collection, they have the Star Wars ceramic Tiki mugs where you can get uh, Boba Fett, Kylo Ren, looks like maybe Lando. Um, I think that's Lando, and then Chewbacca, and then um, a Sith trooper. Uh, yeah, it is Lando. Uh, and then they said the Sith Trooper, which is the, the Red Trooper. Um, and that is it from that previews catalog. Uh, and without further ado, we're just going to jump right into the Marvel one. I think I did DC Marvel previews, so that's why I'm working backwards from that. So, um, so first thing we have is Strange Academy number one. I did read the first issue of this uh, and really, really enjoyed it. It is... Uh, Scotty Young writing it and Humberto Ramos drawing it. Uh, I can't think of a better team to be doing something like this. It's basically Dr. Strange opens a school just like Professor X did for the mutants. He's doing it for magic users. And there's a bunch of characters that show up as teachers, such as Hellstorm, uh, Scarlet Witch, uh, Nico uh, from Runaways, uh, Magic, and Shaman. And then uh, you have a bunch of different characters, including uh, an offspring of Dormammu, which I found interesting. Um, The artwork, Humberto Ramos. uh, If it wasn't Humberto Ramos, I would want want Chris Bocciolo to be drawing it. So uh, those two would be the best artists for this, and thankfully we got Humberto Ramos drawing it. Uh, He, like I said, it was a very, very well-told story, which Scotty Young does a great job as a writer, um, and really great art. Uh, then we have Spider-Woman number one, which I did read this as well, and I was actually pleasantly surprised at how much I liked the first issue of this. Um, it was a title I really wasn't all that interested in. I'm not the hugest Spider-Woman fan as far as this version of Spider-Woman. Um, but uh, 
but yeah, it's it it's uh, it was actually a really good story. Had a hell of a cliffhanger, and it looks like issue two is going to have Night Nurse in it, which I am using Night Nurse in my uh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's like a Marvel Strike Force or something like that uh, app, and she is on my team as a as a healer and everything else. But she just looks kick ass. And I was like, wow, why have we not seen this version of Night Nurse in the comics? Like, she would make a really, really cool action hero type thing. Uh, would love to see her, like, teamed up with somebody like Black Widow or something, or just on her own. Um, so the fact that she's going to appear in issue two of Spider-Woman at least is going to get me to pick up issue two to see, did they do that version of Night Nurse? Because they do mention that she's supposed to appear. Um, but like I said, I really enjoyed the first issue, uh, surprisingly a lot more than I thought I would. And I like her new costume that they have for her as well. And there's things about the new costume that um, that is hinted at. Um, so uh, then there's Spider-Man Noir, number one of five. I really wanted to like this, um, but I didn't. Uh, the artwork looks awesome, but the story did not care for it. And I felt like it just tried too hard to be noir. It would like have certain things that were said to be noir and it, they just felt forced into the story. Um, like I said, I liked the artwork, but it's not one that I'm going to continue with just cause I love the character of Spider-Man noir. Uh, I have his action figure. I loved him in spider verse, uh, both the story and the movie. Um, but yeah, it just wasn't, the miniseries just wasn't what I was hoping for. Uh, like I said, the artwork's beautiful. So if you wanted to get it just for the artwork, you know, go for it. But the story just kind of fell apart for me. Um, and then I talked about earlier about how uh, it's starting to feel like 90s X-Men all over again with how many titles are coming out. Yeah, we have Hellions number one and Cable number one. Um, Hellions number one had me intrigued because of some of the characters. We have Havoc, who is one of my favorite characters. Uh, we have the character Hellion himself, um, or at least a character I believe that was named Hellion in the past. Um, and it's written by Zeb Wells, who has done a um, fantastic job of storytelling in the past uh, with mutants and everything else. But it's just, there's just too much coming out. And Cable, I don't have any interest in it at all. It's the young Cable. Um, I, he's he just doesn't appeal to me at all. So it's, it's not, that wasn't one I was interested in doing at all in reading at all. Um, then we have giant size X-Men, uh, X-Men giant size Magneto number one. So again, just a lot of X-Men stuff coming out. Then we have road to empire, the Cree scroll war. Um, so I did pick this up. I am going to get empire, just the main series just to see if I enjoy it. Um, also because it'll be the first time, um, really that I will be reading just the main series and not getting any tie-ins other than issues I already get. So like I get certain titles that are going to be tied into it, but it's because I already get those titles. Um, and I tried, I was going to do that with, um, I think it was absolute carnage. And I was going to do that with, uh, the, um, War of the Realms, but I got really intrigued in the story and wanted to read more of the times and everything else. This one, I'm fine with just just reading the main story and just kind of seeing how it, how it plays out. And I think it's only a five issue miniseries anyway. So then we have Marvels number one. I didn't get this, but man, I really wanted to because it's it's a six part miniseries by Alex Ross, Kurt Busiek. It's just like 
those two names alone make me want to uh, read it. Plus, it's got interior art by Alex Ross, which is not done much at all anymore. Um, I didn't pick it up, but it's going to be something that I will be interested in getting in like a hardcover collection, um, which I'm sure they're going to do. I'd be shocked if they didn't. Uh, and then you have Submariner Marvel's spot, uh, snapshot number one and Fantastic Four Marvel snapshot number one there. So more titles kind of tied into that storyline. Uh, Outlawed number one. So I was reading Champions before. Really enjoyed it. Uh, it was how I would get my fix of characters like Miss Marvel, uh, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, Nova, uh, bun- a bunch of these kid characters. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And then they, they ended it, and which was fine. Uh, I thought they did a very good job. I enjoyed it. Now they're bringing it back with Outlawed number one. And then it's supposed to go into Champions number one. And it's supposed to have some tie-ins to the Miles Morales Spider-Man title that's out there and the Miss Marvel title that's out there. I'm not going to be reading those, but I am going to be reading Champions again since uh, I was getting it before. really enjoyed it. And I actually read Outlawed number one and thought that that was really well done as well. So... Uh, Looking forward to reading more of that. I uh, wanted to mention Marvel's Adventures, uh, Captain America, number one. This is actually written by Paul Aller, who is doing uh, the G.I. Joe title. Uh, so I did pick up this one issue. It takes place in, a, in that video game world of um, that the Spider-Man, I think it was Terminal Velocity or something like that, that game took place in it. That's where these Avengers stories, because they're doing a Black Widow one also uh, by Christos Gage. Um, but I wanted to pick up the Captain America one because um, I'm hoping there's just kind of a one-shot. And actually, they say it's for an upcoming video game. So I'm hoping this is just a one-shot about Captain America. And I'm interested in, in reading it to see what Paul Aller does with, uh, with one of my favorite characters right now. Uh, then we have Star Wars number four, Star Wars Darth Vader number two. I talked about those earlier. And then Star Wars The Rise of Kylo Ren number four of four, so the end of that miniseries. Um, then we also have uh, Marvel Classics Comics, uh, which I found interesting. Uh, this is an omnibus that collects all these classic stories that Marvel did as actual comic books to get people reading classic literature. So you have stuff like The Iliad, The Odyssey, uh, Robin Hood, Count of Monte Cristo. Um, if the omnibus didn't cost so much, I would love to read some of these things. Like, I would love to read the Iliad and the Odyssey because I love those stories anyways. Uh, I would love to read the comic versions of them. The artwork looks fantastic. Um, you got a lot of different uh, big-name creators that worked on these things. So, um, so yeah, they'd be interesting, but at the same time, like, I'm... $150 for the omnibus. I'm not that vested into it. So, um, then we have star Wars age of resistance hardcover. This collects those one shots that were done for various characters. Uh, and then this one was interesting, uh, interesting trade, which is Mephisto speak of the devil trade paperback. So it collects a bunch of different stories where Mephisto appeared and Mephisto is essentially the devil in the Marvel universe. There's a lot of different other devils in the Marvel universe, but Mephisto's like if you were to ask any Marvel fan, who would you pinpoint as the devil character in the Marvel universe? 99 times out of a hundred people are going to say Mephisto. So, um, so it's a collection of a bunch of his stories where he appears, which I found interesting, an interesting collection for them to do. Uh, then we have star Wars 
Legends Epic Collections Legacy Volume 3. So this is the Legacy series, which had the great-grandson, or maybe just the grandson, of Luke Skywalker. Pretty sure it was the great-grandson. But it's his name's Kate Skywalker. He's kind of a blend of Han Solo meets Luke Skywalker. Um, except a little bit darker. Uh, but he... It, it was an interesting, very interesting story. I thought it was very well done. This is when it was with Dark Horse and everything else. Then we have Star Wars Legends Epic Collection, The Clone Wars Volume 3, and this collects the Star Wars series that uh, was done by um, Dark Horse, which was, it eventually, it started off just being called Star Wars, and then it turned into Star Wars, I think it was called Star Wars Republic. Yeah, Star Wars Republic. And this collects issues 68 through 73 of that. You also have the General Grievous miniseries, the free comic book day issue that came out in 2006, Star Wars Obsession, issues 1 through 5, which I actually really liked that. I thought that was a really good miniseries. Um, and then some material from Star Wars Visionaries and Star Wars Tales number 17. Star Wars Tales was awesome, and Star Wars Visionaries was really good, too. Um, Star Wars Visionaries, I'm almost guaranteeing you what they pulled from that, because what they did with Star Wars Visionaries was it was a... It never came out in issues. It was only ever a graphic novel, which had a bunch of different stories done by different creators. And none of them were really supposed to be like any type of canon at the time uh, for what was considered comic book canon, I guess you could say, at that time. Um, but there was a story with, uh, I believe it was with Darth Maul, and that's how, like, of him surviving being in the pit. There was also a story in there of General Grievous, which might be what's in here um, since some of these stories center around General Grievous but I remember both those stories becoming like the how Darth Maul survived that he had these robotic legs later and then the General Grievous one I think was also in Visionaries and that was like the origin of General Grievous um, like what he was before he became the metal machine that he, he became so really good stories Star Wars Tales I can never say enough good things about yeah, it was an anthology title, so you had some really goofy stories, you had, but you had some really cool stories. It was just, again, a place to tell just fun Star Wars stories. I wish Marvel would do something like that now, where it was just, hey, these are not in any type of continuity. These stories don't mean anything. These are just Star Wars stories from various creators that wanted to tell a Star Wars story. Because um, that's what Star Wars Tales was. Some of those stories did become canon as far as, again, the canon of the Star Wars comics at that time. I know all that was cleared out as part of Legends, but I've heard from a lot of people saying, oh, well, Star Wars Tales, none of those stories were, you know, played a factor into the canon that was going at that time in the comics, and that's actually not even true. There was actually some really good stories, in fact, multi-part stories that played into the, the larger picture of what was going on in the Star Wars comics at that time. But um, but there was also the silly ones, and there was just the one-shots that didn't really mean anything. But it, but it was just, they were good Star Wars stories. And you got, like, I can't remember, it was, like, 90-some pages or 80-some pages. It may have been somewhere between 70-some and 90-some pages. They were just, but they were really, really good. Um, that's one title that I've thought about reviewing on the show where I just, because it only went, like, 20-some issues. I think they came out... I don't feel like they came out monthly. I feel like that one came out once a quarter, but I could be wrong. But um, but it would be, like I said, I think it went 21, 22 issues, some, somewhere around there. It was in the 20s. 
and I always thought it'd be kind of cool to read those stories again, read those issues again, and cover them on the show because you could definitely do a whole episode on just one of those issues. Um, then from DC, last but not least, uh, we have uh, Robin 80th anniversary. Uh, 100-page Super Spectacular number one. So this is 80 years of the Robin character. I do have this issue. have not read it yet. So this is going to be one of those ones that I'll read along with having, like, the Wonder Woman 750th issue. Um, they've done th- this kind of much more similar to what they've done with uh, Batman Detective Comics and stuff like that. They've been doing these 80th anniversary or other types of anniversary issues. They're going to be doing one for uh, Joker... Uh, and Catwoman and stuff like that too. Uh, those are coming out. Uh, Strange Adventures number one. Uh, this is by Tom King with art by uh, Mitch Garads and uh, Evan Doc Shaner. And that is the reason I got this because it's a miniseries by Tom King. He does extremely well with these side characters that no one really cares much about. And Doc Shaner has become one of those artists that I absolutely love his work. Now, uh, I would I would kill to have a piece of artwork by Doc Shaner. Um, I don't know if he works digitally or if he works on paper. I have yet to see. I've I've tried looking for original artwork like on eBay and stuff like that by him, and the only thing I've ever seen is like people that have gotten sketches done by him, and even those are rare that I've seen. So uh, I don't know if he really even does commissions or anything like that. I don't necessarily need a commission i would actually love a piece of original art of his especially when he worked on future quest because i loved that title as many of you know um but if i if not that i would love to get an original art piece drawn by him with some of the future quest characters like space ghost and johnny quest or something like that i think that would be very cool so um but they're working on this title uh, I did pick up the first issue and I read it and I absolutely loved it. I thought it was fantastic. And this is the title that I was referring to and alluding to way early in the episode where I said sometimes there's issues that have um, a social message in them. and But you don't feel that way because it doesn't feel like it's an agenda-driven comic. Maybe it is, but I, I, it doesn't feel that way. It feels like they were trying to tell a good story, and some of these um, issues that are in the real world uh, are just part of that story that they're telling. So that's why I really like this. I think it's well done. I think those messages get across without them being preachy. Um, there, there's just a lot of social commentary about what some people face in this world when, when it comes to popularity, when it comes to when it comes to fame, when it comes to uh, dealing with that, and but also dealing with a loss in your life. And um, I love the dual art that's going on because there are two different time periods that they're they're telling a story from. The covers even illustrate that. So you have one cover that is one style and another cover that's another style I, this the first issue just really really loved it and these are the types of stories that I think Tom King does the best with is these ones where like he did Mr. Miracle, he did Vision those are the ones he gets super big acclaim for um, I think he needs to they need to keep putting him on titles like, like this where it's like hey you give us 12 issues of on a character that you want to write and 
we'll get the right artist for you and you just go to town and that's what I feel like they did with this and I, like I said I absolutely love it I think it's fantastic um, then this is a weird one it's geared towards kids it's from the it's a graphic novel for kids it's called my video game ate my homework trade paperback um, so it's a it's actually a graphic novel because it says it wasn't issues before or anything like that um, it just, it's, I only mention because it it's just a weird title for DC to do. It's like, it has more of an indie comic feel to it. It has an indie comic look to it. Um, then we have Gotham High trade paperback. This is more towards the young adult graphic novels. I just really like the artwork on it. I find it interesting to throw these characters, um, into a different type of world, uh, because so, you have like a Joker character here, you have a Bruce character, and you have uh, uh, Selena Kyle character. So I really like uh, that dynamic. I really like the artwork. It just looks like something that would be fun to read. Uh, then we have Master of the He-Man, Master of the Universe, Volume uh, or Volume Five, Issue Five. Uh, this is through the multiverse. Um, so I wanted to mention that. It looks like we have the uh, gold. Uh, armored Skeletor, which I found interesting, and uh, it looks like it's the 2000X version of Masters of the Universe, because the Beastman looks like he's that style as well, so just found that interesting. Uh, then we have Detective Comics uh, number 38, Facsimile Edition. Uh, this number th 38 is where Robin first appeared, and uh, Dick Grayson Robin. Uh, I did get, I didn't get this one, but I got the one of The Flash of Two Worlds, uh, which I really loved having that facsimile. It looks just like the original comic other than it has a different price tag on it. Um, so this uh, first appearance of Robin one, I think is a really cool cover and really like seeing that. So uh, then we also have Aquaman. These are the hundred page giants. We have Aquaman giant number three from beyond the unknown giant number one. Uh, Superman giant number two and Titans giant number one. So it looks like they're relaunching the Titans uh, giant series. Uh, I just found it interesting from Be Beyond the Unknown Giant. I'm just curious what, I think I have it, but I, I haven't seen what types of stories are in there. Uh, then we have Batman and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 hardcover collection. So if you enjoyed that or were waiting for this hardcover to come out because they've done hardcovers before, uh, you can pick that up. Uh, also, Batman Superman Volume 1, Who Are the Secret Six Hardcover. I am in the middle of this story right now, so I've read issues 1 and 2 for sure. I want to say I've read issue 3 as well of this uh, this, collect, this trade or this hardcover collects the first six issues, and I've read the first two, at least the first two. I know I read two issues. I may have read three issues, but then it kind of, there's a spin-off somewhat of a title with Supergirl where it was like the Supergirl annual that then went into Supergirl number 37 and then also continued in uh, the Batman Superman title. It wasn't necessarily a direct crossover but there's stuff that happens to Supergirl that I when I saw it was like okay I see Supergirl turns dark in this annual I pick it up and when I looked at the back of that issue to see if it continued or anything like that which was the only reason I was looking I saw that it said, follow this story in Supergirl number 37 and Batman Superman, I think it said number four or five or something like that. So I was like, okay, I need to get Supergirl number 37 to find out what more happens with her. 
and then uh, and then I'll continue reading. So the annual is actually the next thing I have in my stack to read uh, for Supergirl. So, but I am enjoying the Batman Superman uh, title as far as with the Batman Who Laughs. It's not a title I'm going to be keep continue getting, but I wanted it for this very first arc. So. Uh, and then I had mentioned uh, the Joker uh, earlier as far as him having a giant size coming out uh, soon as far as like an anniversary thing. But he also does have an 80 years of Joker uh, hardcover edition. And they did this again with Batman and Superman before. Um, I don't think they did this with Wonder Woman. I, I, I have to assume she's had 80 years. Maybe she hasn't. She may not have had 80 years yet. It's probably coming up. Um, but they did it with the Joker and, uh, that is pretty monumental. He's that big of a character that they were like, he's been around 80 years and he's hugely popular. Um, so it's not often that a villain would get an 80 year hardcover collection of his stuff or any monumental year. Um, cause obviously not many characters have been around for 80 years, but, uh, I love the the Superman and the Batman 80 year collections because uh, you just get you get the usually the first appearance of the character and you get a more recent appearance of the character and you get a whole bunch of stuff in between as well and um, they're usually like good uh, one and done stories or if they are two parter you usually get both parts or stuff like that they don't do as much of the well here's issue three of a five part thing where the Joker appeared like. I've seen it done a couple times in some things, but it's not too often. Usually they're good, like one and done type stories. So, um, and he debuted in the pages of Batman number one in 1940. So, uh, and then, uh, there was also a collection of freedom fighters rise of a nation. I did read the first two or three issues of this. I have the whole mini series. It was a 12 issue mini series. Really, really good. Um, it's definitely worth checking out. Um, then just a couple other trades here. We have uh, Green Lantern by Jeff Johns, book three, trade paperback. Um, I have all the issues, so I'm not getting these trades. But Jeff Johns' run on Green Lantern, for me, is the best run that they've ever done on Green Lantern. So definitely worth checking out. Uh, Tales of the Batman, uh, Steve Englehart hardcover. I absolutely love these hardcovers where they're spotlighting specific creators. So they've done, like, Marv, Marv Wolfman as a writer. This is Steve Englehart. Uh, as a writer, they've done some other ones where it's, it's focused on the artists like Jim Paro and Norm Brayfogle and stuff like that. So um, these are just fun because they do collect uh, full stories that are done by those particular creators. So, um, And then a statue that I saw that uh, was a Jim Lee Batman black and white. So they've done the black and white statues for a lot of different artists. Uh, this one definitely caught my eye since I'm a big fan of Jim Lee and definitely a big fan of Hush. Hush is my favorite Batman story, uh, and that was drawn by Jim Lee. And uh, I'm going to be having a whole shelf of that type of stuff. So uh, I was very excited to see that statue coming out. Um, and then I just wanted to mention these. They're actually doing Justice League uh animated series action figures so i know they've done batman in the past uh for the batman animated series but uh and they've done a superman one before but now you're gonna get you can get the whole justice league 
which is Batman as he looked like in that series, Superman as he looked like in that series, Wonder Woman, Martian Manhunter, uh, which is an awesome figure uh, that I don't think they've ever done before, uh, as far as the animated series version, uh, The Flash, Green Lantern, John Stewart, uh, Hawkgirl, and Aquaman, actually. So, um, so I thought that that was pretty awesome that they're doing those figures. So, And with that, that is everything for this episode. I uh, got through all the previews. Um, this is obviously a long episode, so thanks for sticking around if you did till the very end. Um, really appreciate all of you supporting the show for so many years, listening to me ramble <laughs> on end about anything and everything. Um, hope you enjoyed this. I will, I have two more previews catalogs to get through. So, um, hope you'll stick around, uh, in for another episode that should come up in the next week or two. Uh, that'll be like that. Uh, should have another Star Joe's episode out soon. I need to coordinate with, uh, John and Robert and Chuck to see who might be available to do an episode coming up. Uh, I do have some of you listeners have reached out to say that you're, happy to come on the show so i'll be looking to get in touch with some of you to to work those arrangements out to have you on the show uh if you want to be on the show just email us at starjoespodcast at gmail.com uh let me know that you'd like to be on the show and uh what stuff you like to talk about uh whether it's gi joe star wars transformers he-man any of that type of stuff comics tv shows cartoons whatever movies um can we can talk about any and all of that um but just give me an idea if you'd like to review one of the comics with us when we do the old comic series uh stuff we can do that you know whatever if you want to do a more modern day comic review of, of something uh we can do that as well so uh just drop me a line and we'll try to coordinate something but uh stay safe out there stay healthy um you know, it, it's gonna get it's gonna get crazy uh, for the next couple weeks. Uh, unfortunately, from everything I'm hearing, it sounds like a lot of the peak stuff's gonna be happening in the next few weeks here. And uh, so, stick with the social distancing. If you think that's a bunch of crap, then honestly, I'm just gonna say it. If you think that's a bunch of crap with the social distancing and everything else, stop listening to the show. I, I don't have time for you anymore. Uh, for those types of people that are just like, look, I know if you need to go out for food, great. You, you need to do that. You need medical stuff. Great. If you have to go out for your job, I completely understand. And actually my heart goes out to you. Uh, Chuck has to go out for his job. Our buddy rock goes, has to go out for his job. Sam has our buddy, Sam has to go out for his job. I know a lot of people that have to go out, uh, of their house to do their job. And, uh, my, like I said, my heart goes out to you because I, wish you didn't have to. Uh, I want you to be safe out there. I want you to be healthy out there. Um, but if you're someone that's not taking this seriously and you're going out there and buying, uh, action figures, which I've seen people do, um, if you're going out there with your, uh, just not taking it seriously, um, just, I don't, I don't need you listening to this show. I don't need you. I, I don't, I don't want, I don't wish any ill upon you. I don't want that to happen for you. This is not something I would wish on my worst enemy. So I don't wish this on you at all. Um, I don't want anything to happen to you, but I also, if you're not someone that can take this seriously, then I don't need you in my listenership. Um, 
this needs to be something that's taken very seriously. People are dying. I have friends already that are posting about family members who have this and they're in bad shape. So, um, please take the social distancing seriously. Um, one thing I heard about today from some people was like how they would see whole families in the store, like two kids and mom and dad all in the store. There's no need for that right now. Um, I realize you might like to shop as a family and maybe the kids are whining and crying and what keep them safe. Keep yourself safe. If one of you needs to go out, one of you goes out and gets what you need. Everyone else should stay home. If you can do curbside, if you can do delivery, um, interact with as least amount of people as you can wash your hands, wipe down stuff that's coming into your house, uh, wash your fruit, all that type of stuff. Um, if you can, if something doesn't have to go in the fridge or freezer, put it in a garage or put it in a separate room someplace and let it just sit there for a couple days. So anything that's on it would die. Um, and then when you are ready to, to go and retrieve it, wipe it down, get some, hopefully have some type of disinfectant in your house. And if you don't hell soap and water, just at least do that. I mean, I'm not, I don't know if that'll do anything good for you, but it's better than doing nothing. So, um, you know, there, there's tips also of like, if you get cereal or, or something that's in a box, you know, take the stuff out of the box and just put that in your pantry and get rid of the exterior box and then take your garbage out and then wash your hands. Um, you know, take these things are going to take longer to do, but you need to take these things seriously. So I don't mean to become preachy in this. I'm just trying to pass along some tips of things that I've learned. I've been doing a lot of reading as I'm sure a lot of us have. I've been watching a lot of videos and, and researching sources to make sure that these are things that it's not just one person in a room saying something. These are things that uh, have been backed up by a lot of people, uh, a lot of medical people and everything else. So, um, like I said, just, just keep yourself safe. I would, I would hate to find out that a listener, um, got this because they did something stupid. Um, and it, and if you got it from doing something stupid, it it's because you did something stupid. If you got it and you were doing everything you're supposed to do, then I feel terrible for you. Um, and, and I hope that you'll have a speedy recovery and everything will work out great. Um, like I said, if you're someone that has to go out for things and you get it that way, I, I feel really, really bad that that happened to you. Um, but just don't, it's the whole, don't be stupid, stupid. You know, it's like, just don't do stupid things. Don't do unnecessary things. If you want to have something delivered to your house, that's fine. If like entertainment wise, that's, I totally get that. Like if you want to have board games or like, like I love Lego, I, I'm not ordering any, but if, if I was someone that like, Oh, I need some new Lego sets just to keep me occupied. Or if you want to order stuff like that, that's great. Like I said, order it. Don't go to the store and get stuff like that. That's that's being, in my eyes, I'm sorry, but that's being stupid. Uh, you're putting yourself at risk to get a toy or to get a board game or something like that. Order something online, let it show up at the house, and like I said, handle it with, with care. Put it someplace else where it can sit by itself for a little while. Like I said, in, in my house, I, I'm fortunate enough I have a house with a garage. Um, I, the stuff sits in the garage for a couple days, two, three days. Um, and then it's allowed to come in the house. And even once it's allowed to come in the house, there's removing of packaging. 
there is wiping down of stuff, um, and then there's washing of, of hands and arms and everything else. So be methodical. Take your time. Whatever it is to be safe. I realize I'm not dumb. I realize that with everything that they're talking about, that there is a high probability of a lot of people out there getting this thing, uh, even if they're being safe. But give yourself a better chance of not getting it by being safe. Um, so enough of the PSA. Um, but it's just, like I said, it's just stuff I wanted to pass along. Um, I hope everyone out there is safe. I hope everyone out there is healthy. Um, I hope you enjoyed being able to kind of see inside these types of episodes. It really is just me rambling about comics and rambling about life and rambling about whatever the hell else pops in my head. Um, but this is what Patreon episodes are like. Um, I'm hoping that I'll be able to do one or two since I, there won't be any more previous catalogs for me to go through, uh, in the next month or so. And let's, let's face it, this, this thing's going to be going on for another probably a couple months. Uh, buckle up. It's, it's, it's going to take a while. Um, since I only have probably one more episode of, of Patreon style stuff with previous catalogs, which is what I usually cover, um, I'll be able to circle back and do some of the other things I, I like doing for Patreon, which is cover some of other comic issues like Flash and Green Lantern and Legion of Superheroes and stuff like that. So, uh, so that'll be fun. I'll be able to, to cover those issues and stuff like that and do some, some more comic reviews for you guys. So looking forward to that. Uh, but with that, we'll go ahead and close this episode by saying the force will be with you because knowing us is half the battle. Take care, stay safe, and stay healthy.